Hello everyone, and welcome to the Get Clean Podcast. I'm your host, Khalil Sharad, and this is episode 12. In this episode, I will be interviewing interviewing Coach Don Day. He's the Director of Strength Conditioning at Georgia Southern University. Uh, we did a real long one, really got into it, really flowed really well. A whole lot of questions uh, were answered, so I hope you all enjoy. Let's get clean. What's up, Coach? Hey, how you doing? There we go. We got you now. All right, cool, cool. I'm not, I'm not good with uh, uh, technology. So. That's all right. I'm not the best. I'm not the best. I, I I'm the only twenty five. I don't know why it didn't so. work in the app. Well, I, I, you know, it's funny. Like every time I invite somebody, I always have to at least do it twice for whatever the reason is. I've never been on the other end, so I don't know if that's how it always works. But every time I invite people the first time, that's why, like, I immediately sent you two. Because for whatever reason, like it doesn't work on the first one, so I, I don't even know. It should be easy, right? I would it think. Is what it is? How's everything? Uh, how's life in Atlanta? It's good. It's good. I mean, like we've been the gym that I work at. We've been open since like May 11, so it, it, it's been well. You know, um, the riots, <clears throat> as far as I know, are pretty much died down. Uh, but it wasn't. It wasn't like I think there was. Uh, looting maybe for like a night or two but mostly it's been peaceful like because there was like weeks after when it first started that it was uh you would just see people like in the city just like sitting there just peacefully protesting so nothing too crazy you know i know we don't want to talk about that covid but the covid stuff it's not that bad compared to like because i'm from new york city so my parents are still up there they can't do anything so i'm kind of lucky they oh yeah really? I'm, I'm lucky that i'm down here right now it was like perfect time because i just moved down here in november so it's like me and my girlfriend are just lucky that we can do stuff because it's like without the gym, like I can't. I, I just. Uh, <laughs> when did when did you move down? Uh, November. Oh yeah, so you just you just got to the point where, uh, uh so you just kind of missed it in New yep. York and got down <laughs> yep. here. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. Everything's lucky. a lot, a lot like more lenient uh, down here. I yeah. remember traveling back home to Akron and uh, on my way up. You know, I stopped in Pittsburgh. I stopped some other places, mm. and like, I mean, Pittsburgh was like lockdown. And then, wow. I mean, not you know, obviously for good reasons, right. but like, it's it's. <laughs> I mean, you're a northerner like me, so like down here, it's it's at certain areas, it's almost like it doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. You won't even know. Like I, I'll be talking to my mom and my dad or my cousin or whatever, and they're like talking about all these restrictions and stuff they have, and I'm almost <laughs> like. You know, outside of the at like, obviously I work in athletics, so every day we we file pro. It's right. obviously completely different, right? Yeah. right? But like, uh, when I um I don't go out much, but like when I go to the grocery store or whatever, I'm like, dang, it's all it's like <laughs> like it don't exist. Yeah. They just started weird. enforcing masks like before it wasn't mandatory. So now I hate now yeah. I hate going to the grocery store. So. Did the governor like sue the mayor of Atlanta for trying? Yeah, to yeah, and and one one county, it was like you couldn't do it, and I think that's like the county over from where I am. So I'm like, damn it! But it's like now they said, yeah, you can't make people do it, but it's still, I guess maybe it, it's where I am. It's like, nope, you still got to wear a mask. I'm like, ugh. It's it's. I mean, I think you know, it's good and it helps. Res- uh, stop the, the the spread a little yeah. bit and all that stuff. And to me, like 
whatever helps get sports, right? I guess uh, uh, where things aren't canceled and we can do it safe and all that stuff, like whatever helps until there's a vaccine, uh, and I'm I'm willing to do. And then uh, uh, you know the other side of that thing for me is like I don't. This is the first like vaccine that I'm almost willing to take as long as I can like you know I don't do vaccines I don't really believe in most of them mm-hmm. but like I I think people use medicine way too much yeah uh, I was know, one of those people I, that like, didn't not, get antibiotics not, as a kid my mom was a tough it out yeah, like I, not you're, you're like okay you have an actual medical condition right. I'm like you know if, if you have like a slight headache oh let me take this or like right. if you have a slight cough take this right. like I don't get sick I don't when I'm sick if I'm like definitely, you'll know I'm definitely sick if I'm drinking Dimetap, <laughs> the little kids' medicine. Right. That's like the most medicine I'll take ever. So, so besides that, I just keep it pushing. Yep. <laughs> um, like, so, um, let's. Uh, you wanted to dive into um, some of the civil rights stuff, and so you know you want to go into that first before we do uh, the rest of the questions and everything. Yeah, I don't, you know, I, I let the podcast person lead it and I just follow. So whatever, however you want to start this thing off, start it off. Um, so, I mean, for me, I've been telling people the entire time, there's been people that are like um, black and white that are like on the Black Lives Matter side. But they're like, you know, we shouldn't even really be protesting because it doesn't really get stuff done. And to me, it's always like, well, if they didn't do all this protesting, I know there's some bad and there's some good, but I'm sorry. As far as I know, protests have been done peacefully and then a lot of stuff doesn't happen. But when then you put pressure on and I don't I'm not one of those people that would loot whatever, especially because like what if you're affecting your own community? That's not gonna be good for you. Right. But right. I know through the Civil Rights Act, many different different um, times where people were trying to progress because they felt oppressed. It's like people of power with money or government only listen when they started being violent. So I don't, I don't promote violence, but I do know if we just look through history, it has worked. I know it's not good, but sometimes the rich people in the ivory tower cannot feel it unless if their money gets affected or, you know, so that that's my stance on it. Besides that, you know, like, like I talked about, I'm a Kaepernick guy. Kaepernick was working out with one of, he's been, working out with one of my boys who's been his trainer for like four or five years. So he used to be in the gym every single day. One of the kindest people I've ever met, um, especially for a celebrity. But, you know, I've, I've always been, why are we trying to ignore the obvious what he's kneeling for? He said it in the beginning. People try to kept saying that he didn't say in the, in the, in the, after that first time he kneeled, what he was actually talking about. And it's like, oh, only he called the police pigs. And I'm like, all right, I get why you can be mad, but can you get the bigger reason why he even said that? Why is he mad? Because no one listened to why he was kneeling in the first place. You're trying to make it about the flag. I'm like, yo, how can veterans say, oh, I'm not offended, and then you're taking offense? That doesn't make any sense to me. And he said, and people have said this a million times, it's supposed to be in the Constitution. If the flag or the government has, are, is not representing the people, then the people have the right to take a stance against the flag and that's what he's doing. And I'm like, as far as peaceful protests, I feel like that's the peaceful, most peaceful, one of the most peaceful I've ever seen. All he's doing is kneeling, but people would try to, they're not even trying to bring up what he's kneeling about. It's just now nah, you're being disrespectful. I don't even want to hear you. Well, if you don't really want to hear it, then that means the thing he's talking about has no effect on you. No, I agree. Like I'm not, 
I'm like always, you know, my, I guess the way I protest is different, mm-hmm. but like for me, like at the same time, if, if you know, uh, you look at history, right. Mm-hmm. And I like, I'm not a bit, I'm, I'm kind of like more of a science nerd than I am a history nerd. Uh-huh. And, but like, I've always read a little bit about history here and there and try to educate myself on, on what's going on. Right. So like, you look throughout history. Uh, I was watching this Martin Luther King uh, uh, clip today, mm-hmm. and they were talking. You know, everyone always wants to take Martin Luther King and kind of twist it and make him look like a certain way. But mm-hmm. like, he was saying like, something. I'm gonna misquote this completely, but he was talking about love, mm-hmm. and to him, like, love is strong and powerful, mm-hmm. and uh, nonviolence doesn't mean non-action. Right. Correct. Like, pretty much, he was like. Oh no, I'm about action. Right. Like I'm about that action. <laughs> so like in the most 1960s preacher way you <laughs> hey, right, put it, right, but right. like that's the base. That was the basis of what he was saying. Right. Like just because we don't retaliate doesn't mean we're not about action. Like it, right. it, he literally said at the end of the day, like we're trying to achieve things and we need action <clears throat> to achieve things. Right. And you know, uh, people feel one way or the other about looting and all that stuff. Mm. I don't agree with it. Uh, right. You know, but like. I heard uh, uh, at one of the protests I was at, someone had said, you can't tell us how to live, how to die, how to walk, talk, all that stuff. And then the next thing you do is tell us how to protest. Like, uh, this is years. This is just the after effects of years of stolen identity and, uh, you know, oppression. Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, I said it on, on DeMeo's podcast, like, what do you think is going to happen after 400 plus years of keeping people down, at some point yeah. they gotta get angry. And I mean, right? we've been, we're, yeah. we've wake up with this old, I mean, if you listen, like, I, I'm a big Joe Rogan guy. He brings up, he brings on scientists that talk about it. And it's like, you know, you have an under, I'm trying to think of the word, not undercurrent, whatever. There's like a little bit of anger that you just wake up with this tension, this, this aggression, this, this feeling of frustration as a colored person that you just come with every day. And then when you see one of your own people killed, you got to go to work and just be like, all right, it's just another fucking day. Like that doesn't happen to everybody <laughs> else all the time. So it's like, it's hard not to be frustrated. Like I, like it, 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 and it's like, you get a loss for words. And that's why I'm like, for me, I've, I've been raised. I was lucky to be raised by two loving parents and everything. And it's like, so I've been taught like, hey, if, if you if you do the looting thing, it's just going to be a reason for them to try to break away from what you're really trying to say. So like if I'm one of those people and I'm protesting, I know like, no, because if I do that, that's exactly what the media is going to do. Just look at all these people. They do that with the Muslims. After the one bomb, it's a whole country and all they show is people shooting AKs in the skies. And I'm like, and then when you come over here, everybody that's a turban is all of a sudden a terrorist and they get treated unfairly. But that's not the way it is. But. That's the that's the feeling that we have. It's like, yo, all the time. I just gotta be, nah, keep it calm, keep it calm, keep it calm. But like with the protests, like you said, like is looting is probably not gonna do anything besides take away from what you're trying to get out of these protests. And that's what like I try to like when people ask me questions or look for guidance or whatever, mm-hmm. like I always tell them like whatever moves you make, whatever you do, just make sure that the you keep the goal in mind, right? right. And our goal is to rise up and and to fight racism, oppression. Uh, you now I don't think you'll ever beat racism, but yeah. you can beat oppression. Right, right, yeah, yeah. You can rise above oppression. At, cer- at a certain level, everyone's been oppressed, and there's not everyone that's been 
not everyone that's been oppressed is still oppressed now. Yeah. So, so and there's bigger. levels to it too, which and people don't want to admit. So, I don't know why, but there's there's obvious levels. So mm-hmm. like for me, like, I mean, outside of my moral compass, looting would take you would take away from it. I think the media always has their own narrative, mm-hmm. and you you listen to these old talks. Not even Martin Luther King. I'm talking or Malcolm X. Right. Like they've all said it, but like I'm I'm talking about like professors i see uh from the 70s uh on talk shows with huey newton and like just like different doctors or you know african-american uh uh, just different not even like i'm not talking about like civil rights leaders just these are just uh uh, african-american doctor black uh uh, professors like highly educated dudes they're just like hey uh the media is going to twist things they're going to do this everything they talk about then is similar to what we're talking about now and how we feel now but also how they predicted things getting distorted, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, like, to me, like, I keep watching these old documentaries and, like, watching these old videos. Because you can go on YouTube and search tons and tons of old videos. Yeah. And, like, I look at what our culture looks like now compared to what people try to portray our culture as, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, uh, just the just the the the... The, I'd say the 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 waves of hey, this is how you should act. Right. This is how you should look. This is what you should wear. This is whatever. This is what popular black dudes wear. This is what yeah. you know. The, the the gangster image is is not a positive image, but that's the it's it, it's it was. I guess it was a I'd say a marketable image, mm-hmm. right? So like, I, I, that stems from probably gangster movies. But anyway, like. You know, the whole whole uh, black people being savages and like yeah. all the illustrations, the, the ads, all that stuff. Well, that didn't stick. All right. But then, oh, you know what? We can take the, the, the crack dealers and these gangsters <laughs> and uh, uh, we can market them. We can image them. Yeah. And then slowly but surely you see the imagery taking place on our culture. Right. Yeah. So, like, I think that. I mean, I'm not saying it's brainwashing. I don't know. I, I do know that, like, uh, uh, there are plans that are out, like, uh, that have been out in the past. Like, just look at the annihilation of the Black Panthers. They didn't want uh, 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 Black Messiahs rising up. So what they do? They killed Malcolm X. They killed uh, nope. uh, uh, Fred Hampton. They killed anyone that could be, quote, unquote, a Black Messiah. Yep. And so, they don't speak on any of the good and all the good that they did for the community too. Right. They only talk about they're violent this and violent that. Hmm. But you know how much they donate and how much charity work they do? Nope. Don't bring how that up. How much charity work people still do <laughs> right. that they started. Right. So like if you <laughs> So I remember it wasn't too long into COVID. Like I've 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 been a follower of the Black Panthers my, most of my uh I'd say high school to adult life, mm-hmm. right? I have a Black Panther tattooed on my left shoulder blade. Oh, wow. So uh, I remember I was talking about Hugh Newton one day on Twitter and someone had slid into the DMs and <laughs> as respectfully as they knew how called me a communist. Uh, <sighs> and I didn't respond and I was going to call the person and have a conversation. I decided, you know what, just let live and move <laughs> on. Yeah. I don't need to get drug into anything. <laughs> don't get anyone, triggered. Don't get triggered. <laughs> yeah. So I, but like thinking about that, like, <laughs> It made me think and watching all these 
uh, uh, freedom fighters from the old days, like they were communists, they were socialists. But the difference in them was if if you are highly if you watch and I forget who said it, but it was very, very well said. It was an older civil, uh, civil rights fighter. And he said uh, there was a, a Harvard professor, a white Harvard professor, and they did this on TV just to get things going. Right. So there was a guy talking. He was an author. And a black author, and then there was this Harvard professor that came in and said, you know, uh, you probably relate to uh, a white author better than you do a black man that uh, doesn't like books. And, like, I relate to a, a, a black professor more than I relate to a, a white man that is against science. And mm-hmm. we're all just people, blah, 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 like the whole all lives matter kind of right. talk, almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, 40, 50 years ago. So... The response was, you know, you you uh, you preach these ideas and that everything's good and fair and equal, <laughs> pretty much all lives matter and all that, right? But the reality that the guy said he'd been faced with is, if I go to a certain place, I'm gonna get killed. If I go, uh, if I try to eat at this place, I'm denied. If I do this, the 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 uh, real estate people, whatever, they keep me in the ghetto. I try to live good. <laughs> And I get brought down. So what you're saying, I have never seen. So why would I believe uh, in uh, there, that there is no separation that exists as far as black and white? And there right. is differences, right? We all know there's differences, right. not in a negative way. It's just a, there's di- like I'm like me versus me. A difference between me as a male and someone else as a female. There's differences. Right. We're all humans, but there are differences. Right. So like I, I look at like that quote specifically and his talk on that. And I'm not saying I'm a communist by any means. I don't really believe in any of that kind of stuff. I just live my life, but you can't help. If you can't, the failure in that person's uh, words of calling me a communist is the failure to realize if uh, the, realize the plight of, of a black man in America, especially back then. Mm -hmm. So your government, you see them, killing your brothers and sisters on the streets worse i mean not maybe worse than today but probably a a lot got away with that there's laws to kind of protect us a little bit now well i I would guess i would say more so that how it is still in certain parts of today the south was more everywhere and all the time and also when somebody would outright kill somebody because there's no video because there's no dna and there's more of those local sheriffs saying fuck that that's my friend he's not going to jail people would also just get off so so if you can't <laughs> which understand, people still do just not on the extreme that was probably 50 years ago right right because they cameras and they get caught right. whatever but like if you couldn't understand why they would not believe in their government then you missed the whole yeah. you missed the boat on or you're point. choosing to to blindly because it's like oh no i have i have that one black you know like i got a bunch of black friends. i got the one black friend or i got the maid that i treat real nice so so we just have to ignore it because you supposedly are nice to that one black person you interact with. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I uh, <laughs> I don't know how many times I've heard I got black friends or whatever. <laughs> or the same thing with the gay friend. Oh, you got one gay friend. If you can count how many of that type of friend you have, you don't interact with those people. Okay. Yeah, you don't. You, you don't. You 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 don't yeah. like. And I've I've uh, I've recently I've uh, really kind of been uh, hip to a lot of things in the feminist movement because I, I work with a lot of females right. and they, they have enlightened me on the, the plight of the female in this country mm. and, 
and kind of like the ways feminism works, like true feminism, not how it gets misconstrued. And just like with today's feminism, we talk about stuff mm. all the time like that. Right. So it's just, I just think that as a country, like it, it, with the whole civil rights movement happening again, all the stuff that we're saying was said 60 years ago. Yeah. So it didn't get better. Yeah. Like I watch, I watch uh, Huey Newton or Fred Hampton or whoever talk about these issues, these problems, the things they see that they thought was going to happen in the future and did happen yeah. and that we're currently going through. Yeah. So it, it didn't get resolved and yeah. it didn't get fixed. And the fact of the matter is most of that wasn't too long ago. I have a, a college teammate that uh, had a dad that got lynched you know, huh. when he was like that family. Like so that, not yeah. the dad wasn't younger. The kid was, the, he was like a little kid mm. and the, his dad got lynched. So like that wasn't, I'm only 29. So that's not, you know, 1925 and a, a, a black man got lit. This is like probably early 2000s, I'd imagine. Yeah. So like, it's not, I mean, uh, 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 Ahmaud Aubrey got, uh, 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 shot down in the street. Right. So like, it's not, not like past, you know, it's not, not ancient history. I mean, I was, what, 29, so 29 years ago. So, like, I was born in 1990, so about 20 to 30 years before I was born, I couldn't even go to the same school as other people. You know what I mean? So, like, it's not. And the aftermath of that is still felt. Just like, just like, yeah, you may not be lynching us, but if you're saying in your private uh, discussions that you don't want your daughter dating a black person, there's, like we said, there's levels to it. So, but that gets felt everywhere. Just like, you know, it's like, a black person gets weed in his car, right? And a white person has weed mm-hmm. in his car. You, if the white officer lets the white person go, or they get a much lesser sentence on a larger basis, that is part of racism. Why are we not admitting, like, you're going to ruin that kid's life. If he gets a felony on his record versus the kid that doesn't, one is going to college and one is probably going to be a repeated felony. And they don't exactly. bring up that. So They'll you're, be like, you're, yeah. You're in essence, yeah. You're, oh, yeah, you're, you're figuratively lynching them. Yeah, and it's like, oh, uh, my favorite is the white people on uh, have have been killed more than police. Well, there's more white people in the country. Okay, first of all, then let's 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 look at more things that we can really measure. If we have the same crime committed, and on average, black people get uh, get either sent to jail or sent to jail for a longer sentence, what is it? What is the difference? If on if if the average is much higher because we know the jail system is is a lot more black people. Okay, so why is it can we commit the same crime but get a different sentence? It's just innate, like, and that's like uh, what you talked about, ambient stress, right? So, like, waking up and knowing that, like, and my mom told me this my whole life, you have to work twice as hard to get half as far as your Caucasian counterpart. And, like, and it's the ambient stress that most people, you know, we talk about mental health now, thankfully, in this country. uh, And we recognize it more than ever before, Mm. which is good. But, like... (laughs) I guess, like, if you as a, a black man or a black woman try to say, hey, you know, we're kind of stressed out from every day worrying that we're going to get put in jail for no reason or that we're going to get pulled over and shot for no reason because those are the images we see. People kind of look at you like, eh, eh it's kind of sucks. You got to bring your wallet wherever you go or you're going to go to jail. It's like a point, you know, it's a point of uh, 
it's like uh you know that's the stuff we live with yeah. you know what i mean like you'll you're used to it kind of yeah. thing and it's 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 almost i i think half of it i think half the people uh, i think there's three ways you look at it. you half the people ignore it right mm-hmm. and just say well i mean it's just what being black must be like in this country the other half can't fathom that because they can't uh uh fathom doing that right yeah and and another kind of just uh they don't they don't they don't care yeah i mean it doesn't affect me i mean that's human nature too it's just that this one has way bigger bigger consequences right i mean at 20 what was i 26 years old when i was the head guy at buffalo i think i was one of 23 wait wait uh, you were at buffalo what 2017 you were at buffalo university yeah, I, I was at. Do you know a school called Villa Maria? It's in Buffalo. Villa Maria. What's the other one in Buffalo? Canisius. There's that one. There's also Buffalo Buff State. Well, I, I'm just saying because I played there. I believe it was 2016, 2017 season. And my girlfriend used to train people at Buffalo. There was a private training room. You probably you probably seen it. It, it was just a little one, which is like squat rack, bench, or whatever. But it's just funny because you were there. But obviously, we didn't know each other. I just remember passing by the football like only room, and they had an ATP, and I'm like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good. It was good times, man. We had good times there. But like, I mean, I was one of one of twenty four or twenty three black directors at that time. Oh, really? You wow. Look at the, you look at the percentage of 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 athlete, you know, in football especially. What percentage? Not even. We won't even talk about black people. Not my non 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 caucasian people mm-hmm. right and and you're saying that there's only twenty four directors of strength and conditioning at the time mm-hmm. that that look like their players, not that you have to look like your players right at all, but like i think I think for myself it's always easier having a role model that I can directly see myself as yep time under the bar time so when bar. I don't have a role model I can see myself <clears throat> as. Then I have to, I mean, when I look to role models, all my role models are dead. You know what I mean? Like the ones I try to find. Mm -hmm. Like we grow up idolizing Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, whoever it might be, but they're all dead. And I can't, I can't idolize Bill Gates or, or uh, 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 whoever, you know what I mean? I I just don't, (laughs) I wouldn't want to sit down and talk to Bill Gates. Like there's nothing that interests me. We got, we got LeBron. That's good. Right. LeBron is good. LeBron has been my hero. Oh, and, o- and Obama. You got Obama. Obama, right. yes. You got uh, Oprah still alive, right? Oprah still alive. Denzel. We can do, you know. Denzel. Yeah. Denzel. Denzel. No, we got a few. We got a few. You, you know what? I, you, you, you poked me my <laughs> But it's not, it's not as many as compared to other people. But, but we still got some really great ones, right? They keep trying yeah, to they keep trying keep to shit on Obama. All you got is what he smoked weed in college. You can't say nothing bad about this man. This he don't have one bad quote. He don't have no snatching women by the what? Oh yeah, that's not yeah, him. Yeah, that's not him. Yeah, yeah. No. Obama would said that he would never be president. <laughs> he would have got. He would have got. Uh, what is it when you get taken out of office? Come on, what is it when you get taken? Uh, uh, impeached. <laughs> he would have got impeached right over away. that. That's what he would have got. Oh man! But I mean, it's it's it's. I I think we just need to. 
We just obviously the fight is harder than the the the, the first round of, uh, of freedom fighters fought in the sixties, mm. and, and we just gotta keep continuing, uh, continuing the 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 to c- continue to step up and 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 strap up and make sure we're ready. not strap up as far as like arm ourselves. I mean, strap up as far as like lace up your boots. And Get go. the strap. Like, yeah, like I mean, lace up your boots and go. I'm not trying that. Just because I follow the Black Panthers, I'm not gonna start walking around with guns. I don't think I'll. I don't think I'll do too well out there. I'm halfway blind, so. Um. But I, I do think that there's times I'm very hopeful. Yeah. That things will change. There's other times where I think people just make symbols to make you know simple like Confederate statues. I don't know half the. Like, I don't know half the Confederate. Yeah, I'm like, y'all chasing after the wrong crap. Y'all need to vote. That's what you need to do. I don't fucking talking on the goddamn set. And I look at Christopher Columbus. I know he was raping and pillaging. That's what every freaking nation did throughout human history. Let's focus on getting this motherfucker out of office. How about we do that? Talking about the damn statues. You know there's people in power like, yeah, go let them take down the statues. We'll just keep passing the bills that keep them in jail. The real stuff. (laughs) Yeah, like, uh, I mean, I... I don't, I don't, I don't want, between that and, I, I had a, a, a conversation the other day that really struck me with a guy from Africa, mm-hmm. like straight from Africa, mm-hmm. and he was like, you know, he's like saying like, you know, uh, what do you say about, uh, we're talking about being black, right, mm-hmm. and he goes, he goes, you know, people make words to entrap you and do this and do that, he's like, Don, you call yourself African-American, I'm like, I mean, I, yeah, I think, like, yeah. Call myself African American. I also call myself black. And he's like, "Well, you're not from Africa. And you like, do you know where you're from?" And I'm like, "All right, what do you mean?" And then he's like, "I'm from Africa. Like, I'm I was born on African soil. I'm from Africa. You're not from Africa." And then he said, "Why do you call yourself black?" He's like, "They call you black because uh, uh, they tell you that you're black. Right? You don't like. You're not. You, do you look black? Like, are you black?" Like, no, I don't look like the color black. I've never seen anyone that looks I'm I brown. dark eyes, but never like black. So, like, uh, I don't know if they're all black. I'm not like, galaxy black. Yeah, like, I'm, you know what I mean? Like, I, you know, but like, and, and so, like, that kind of hit me. And it's, uh, I think a big thing is like, we have to learn our history. So, like, I spent so much time reading and learning and trying to teach myself my own history because hmm. you take identities away from people like I said earlier and this is just going to be the education uh, is is part of the big problem because they don't you, talk, they only talk about slavery once in a blue moon but we can harp on the civil damn not the civil war we can harp on them getting free from the british yeah when were we free how about you talk about that and and somebody brought up this point black history month okay great but one bad thing was you only have to talk about black leaders and the same ones that are 300 years past dead over and over instead of focusing on newer ones or, you know, it's like, they don't talk about Madam C.J. Walker. Like, I just watched the Netflix thing right. the other day. Oh, yeah, like, the LeBron one? Like, the people, um, there was a black lady invented the uh, fire alarm. I, I, I mean, the, the smoke detector. I didn't know that. Why don't we know that? Well, that's that's black people, black people invented some of the craziest stuff. And it's you want to know? Yeah. Not just peanut butter. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, like, right. That's what you, uh, black people invent peanut butter. Like, oh, thanks. You know, peanut butter and chitlin. And hair, and how, hair you know products. I mean? It's nothing ever serious. I'm like, but you don't tell us about the smoke detector? What? That's crazy. People were dying, and a black person helped with that? 
Come on, man. We hear about the pacifists, right? We hear about, and they twist the pacifists. Martin Luther King was a socialist, all right? And he wasn't very well liked. But they lead us to believe that he was like the Easter Bunny and everyone loved him. <laughs> and he dropped right, off right. gifts and, you know what I mean? And all he did was take it, right? right. And that's a problem. Right. Uh, uh, Martin, Malcolm X is villainized in history. <clears throat> he shouldn't be. Yep. Uh, we never learn about the Black Panthers. The only thing you know about the Black right. Panthers is yeah. they, were, they were people calling them terrorists and, and racists. Which, in, in fact, they weren't racist. A lot of white people were in the Black Panthers. Uh, a lot of white people <laughs> wanted to, right. to treat Huey Newton. Uh, even Marlon Brando, the godfather himself, stood with the Black Panthers many times. So it's it's unbelievable how you twist the people twist history to brainwash us. Yeah, that's why you got to learn. It's important to educate and learn your own history. Yep. Because education so system I, I won't do it. You had like fifty questions for me. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're about to lose about. 300 followers. <laughs> you know what, though? Like I said, I, I, I made a I, – when the riots were first started, I made a long live IG post, and it was just me talking. And I just talked, and I said, yo, somebody – some people are going to unfollow me, but some people are not going to like it. But you know what? If you don't – if you got a goddamn problem with what the hell I'm saying, then you're not really my friend, or you're not somebody I care to fucking know. Because if you can't at least have a conversation about it, then that means you're actually racist and you either no, no, you know it, but you don't want to, you can't say it out loud, but you're the person behind the little keyboard that can say shit. So if you don't like what I got to say so much that you'd want to unfollow me, go by, by all means do, because your IQ is pretty damn low or you're racist or it's, well, that means it's probably both. Right. So yeah, yeah I, I don't yeah, really care. Yeah. You know, you can either listen or not. It's not my problem. <laughs> like I, that, that's I, me. Uh, during this whole thing, I, I had to think differently about people I considered friends. Uh, yeah, yep. it's sad, right? Yep. And based off the things that, you know, happened in the past that got brought to light that, uh, um, how do I say this the best way? So I had to fight some battles against some people. And, you know, it really shocked me. Some of those people, well, not really, but some of those people, they just weren't on my side or tried to pretty much make it seem like I was a witch hunter or like whatever. And I'm like, no, like I'm saying I don't want to associate with this certain uh, this certain group and not a racial group. But I'm saying like a just a, a certain group that I had problems with. Right. right. In the past. And then I decided I'm not going to associate with you anymore because of a decision you decided to do. And. And it just so happened that you made this decision uh, to associate with someone that had said some pretty uh, racist kind of BS to me in the past. And it mm. just so timed up it was during the second civil rights movement. But, <laughs> it, you know, had the person spilled water on me and then you hired them, I wouldn't have wanted to associate with you anyway. So it, I just had a bad uh encounter with one of your employees i don't want to do business with you anymore and uh some people try well are you sure that's what happened are you sure you were in the freaking room with me. yes it's what happened you remembered it so why are you trying to victimize me and i'm not trying to get on 60 minutes i just don't want to do business with people right. no more because i don't have to right. now if i were an assistant and 
You know, that's but I'm not an assistant. That's <laughs> who I do business with and who I don't do business right. with. And if I can do business with more reputable people that have not done uh, uh, things that have been against, you know, things that, how do I say, things that I don't agree with, you right. know what I mean? I'm, I'm not going to do business with those people, but I expect you as my friend that was a witness of those things uh, to back me. And I'm not saying you have to go shout on the mountaintop, whatever, but like, don't sit here and, and try to uh, question my motives. Right. And it, 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 some of the, you know, I just, I, sometimes I guess when people don't understand or people don't truly get it, uh, you know, you, they just, I guess the, the ignorance is bliss or whatever way you want to take it, you know, man, it, it just, I, I don't, I don't like is. that ignorance is bliss because you know what it is. It's like, you know what? What you get on your SAT? Oh, you got an 1800, but you can't understand this simple fact that, yeah, I've been basically beaten down for 300 years. You don't get that. You don't get that. This is the 50th comment I've heard this year. That's a little bit inappropriate. After a while, it's like, no, nah, I shouldn't have to put up with it. And you're the director. So it's like, yeah, I don't want this person here because it's like, and you're my friend and you're supposed to stick up for me. And you're just like, no, 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 it's not that big. What? You know, the, and that's the thing. It's like, oh, you're the one black friend I have. Um, but the rest of the time, I'm operating with other people that I will repeat what they say about my black friends. You know, and you, yeah, man, I'm not even trying to get mad about that, but you know, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I saw a lot of things from like a lot of people that I guess I, I thought I respected, right? And uh, at some point in time, I just made the decision that you know, a quote that one of my assistants used to say all the time is uh what they say they used to say you don't get surprised when a clown makes you laugh Mm -hmm. so why would you be surprised when someone does something you expect they would do anyway right so or why would you get just that scorpion on the frog's backstory yeah hey i was a scorpion what the hell you want me to do what did you expect (laughs) so you know i found a lot of scorpions and i I wasn't gonna be the frog so no and you know Oh, just so we can wrap it up so we can start the coaching bar. But I have friends throughout college that they were like Trump supporters. But, you know, like the more and more I listened to people that were really smart, like 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 Dave Chappelle, he talked about like, hey, I welcome people that are Trump supporters, you know. But if we can get on it because we're all human, it's like if we can get on common ground, there's a lot. Not everybody that voted for Trump is a racist. Right. So it's yeah, like if exactly. we can get on like if you can hear me out and I can hear you out, that's how we get better. If it's just like, oh, you voted for him because you were like, hey, he's going to make the economy better, you know, then that's great. And let's talk about it. But if you're one of those people that are just so blindly just you already have your opinion and that's the way it's going to go. I start to question, well, what else do you have an opinion on that ain't so great? You know, you don't have to believe in slavery to be a racist. But and I think that's what people that are not colored do not get that they don't they don't get that there's. So many levels that help keep everybody down because you're voting on stuff all the time that you may not even know affect people so greatly in a negative way. But because it doesn't affect you, don't think twice about it. And, and, you know, that's why I always say it's like, hey, you may not want to hang me from a tree, but you don't want me to date your daughter. And that is racism. And it happens. And I, and I always tell people, it's like, yo. So like my girlfriend, she's, she's white. And I'm like, I'm, I always tell people, it's like, yo, I think the cure to this 
is is uh babies that are mixed. I because it's like after a while, <laughs> there's gonna, gonna go be nobody left that looks white. That's it. It's, everybody's gonna be tan. What you gonna do then? There's gonna be like three races left in the world. Hey, it ain't my fault. Your grand your grandberries look like me. So you gonna be mad now? No. You know it's like those senators. They be like super super against gay gay people, and then their daughter comes out as a lesbian, and it's like all of a sudden they're just voting on all gay rights stuff. It's like. That's what you got to do with races. But that's like a matter of time. The, the math adds up that every, after a while, everybody's going to be tan. And that's why I feel like it won't because people hate people that are not like them. That's why you have bullies. That's why you have racists. So to me, it's like I feel like there's too much because, you know, like one year it's a Republican. One year it's a Democrat. One year it's an extremist. One year it's not. Until everybody looks basically the same, I think people are going to hate each other no matter what. Because it's like, like you know, there's, there's like if you grow up like I'm Puerto Rican. So Puerto Ricans. Like, well, I'm half Puerto Rican, half black. Puerto Ricans are racist against Dominicans uh, and all types of Spanish people because we come in from all the way white to all the way dark chocolate. They'll be racist mm-hmm. against each other. So it's like until everybody's freaking tan, I think the racism thing won't go away. I just hope things like education reform will happen so people get educated for real. And then number two, hopefully prison will you know become unprivatized and stuff like that. I feel like that's the and, and then proper training for police because to me I think more often than not it's bad training that causes these situations than than a whole bunch of racist people because I think day to day whether it's a white on white a black on black or a mix people handle those situations because they're not trained I mean we we uh, I was listening to Joe Rogan they were talking about how police overseas or like in the military they got a year or more of training over here it's six weeks. And also, they have to continue to meet those same standards and continue training all the time, like if they're in the military. Like, the police are the ground military, I mean, or the in-state military, right? But they don't mm-hmm. get the training that is required for someone to have a gun. You know, so to hey. me, it's like, I see that all the time. I, when I see a video, I'm one of those people who's like, let me let me look at this. Okay, this doesn't look like a racist situation. This looks like a person that is scared for their life. Like, if I'm a police officer, I'm going to be the biggest police officer. I don't want people to think they can fuck me up. If you look mm-hmm. like you, if you think you can beat the police officer up, how much more likely are you to mess with them? If right. you're six eight and two sixty, you're not gonna talk to that police officer, right? Like you're gonna do what they say. Right. But you know that that's me. You know, like you need to be Bruce Lee in that in that police uniform. Like, <laughs> I, that, I I think that like you know the American way, everything's gotta be fast, right? Right. Yeah. So, like, I mean, I think that like I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I think that normalizing. <clears throat> being around different races, right? Yeah. So, like, for me, I mean, I'm a mixed dude, but, like, my both my parents were, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm barely, you know, both my parents were, were mixed. Uh, my grandma on my dad's side is straight German. Uh, my great-grandma uh, on my granddad's side was a Cherokee, 100% Cherokee Indian. Oh, wow, yeah. I got so some like, Cherokee in me, yeah. Yeah, so I'm getting my ass beat six ways to Sunday <laughs> as far as the race. I can't win either route, but uh, uh, I think being around different races helps. Like I, I I had, I've had like some of the most craziest conversations over COVID, but like I talked to one guy, older black man from the South and we were talking, he's like, what, what, what's your wife? And I'm like, oh, my wife's white. And he's like, oh, so you know how to talk to white people. I go, what the hell does that mean? And then I thought about it. I was like, I mean, I, I guess I do. I mean, yeah, no. I guess, yeah, yeah. But like that's like, like that, that, that kind of tells you the mindset of like, 
uh, and it kind of goes to my point, if you're not around different kinds of people, right. You don't know, like the way I talk, uh, uh, to, to, you know, my, to my, my, uh, supervisor is not the way I would talk to my supervisor's a, uh, middle-aged white woman, right? Right. Correct. Uh, the way I talk to her is not the same way I talk to, uh, my mom, and my dad, right? right? The way yeah. I talk to my, my parents isn't the same way I talk to my in-laws. You know right. what I mean? Like it's it's And that's it's, gotta be the same, like you said, with different races that you deal with. And it opens your eyes. It's like the same thing, like when I moved back to New York when I was so I was born in New York, went to the South, and then came back. And now I'm back again. But moving back, I went to basically like a fifty percent all Asian school. Do you know how much stuff I learned about Asian people that I never would have learned? Bada bing, there you go. Now and you, it probably you under, and you realize stuff you say, you're like, Oh, okay. Maybe I'm not being sensitive to these people. Maybe I'm not talking the right way. And, and also just learning learning their struggles. Because, you know, like if you deal with a Chinese person, they'll tell you how much they don't like Japanese people because they invaded for 100 years. You know, it's like you learn a whole mm-hmm. bunch of stuff. You're like, oh, that's a new appreciation I have for these people. Yeah, it's, 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 it's learning different people and yeah. like just learning what people have gone through. Like just – and this – it goes from an individual to like a greater thing because you can't – there's – like the ambient stress of being a black man is probably, I'd assume, similar to being a white woman or a Chinese man or a Japanese woman or whatever. There's always ambient stress uh, uh, that's, I think, kind of tied to you because of your race. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I don't feel uh, nervous walking anywhere, but I'm also a black man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Unless I'm walking around. Uh, more Lynchburg, Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> those, the very hillbilly area. Yes, yes. You know, those are where I feel not so comfortable. But vice <laughs> versa, if you were, you know, someone from those hillbilly areas, you might not feel comfortable coming to Akron, where mm-hmm. I'm completely comfortable. You know, what yeah, I mean? yeah. Like, so, like, you gotta learn different people. I think that helps out a lot, and it'll help break down misconceptions. I mean, I remember my my uh, my ex girlfriend took me to this uh this thing in columbus ohio and like kind of like the backwoods of columbus ohio she lived in the country and uh it was like this red white and blue festival and i was maybe 19 at the time and so i was surrounded by hillbillies and i said we gotta get out of here like i'm not staying for fireworks like this doesn't and but to her like she was she thought i was being like 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 stupid you know what i mean she like overreacting and I she couldn't understand why I felt so freaking uncomfortable you know what I mean <laughs> right. I look around and I'm surrounded by hillbillies and I'm the only black man in a place I don't know that doesn't make me feel comfortable especially when you're getting close to night you know what I mean yeah but yeah. Like, you got to learn different people so you can understand that stuff because I mean we ended up kind of fighting about that and I like it was you don't understand my life and like it was it was a deeper fight but like uh you know, had we understood, maybe it, we wouldn't have had that fight, right? Just like, you know, you, you go to a school of, of Asian people and you learn, like, oh, maybe I'm not being sensitive to this. Not right. a different perspective. Learn other people's perspectives. Yeah, and I, it's funny. It's like when you talk about your wife and it's like I'm trying to – sometimes when I'm watching, watching, like, we will go watch a movie and it's like – and I'm getting into a fight with her because I'm like, oh, you don't understand. And I'm just like, wait a minute. But she's actually one of the – I'm with her because she's one of those people that may not understand, but she's trying to. And I'm like, you know, I'm like dang, man, why are you, why are you even snapping? Just try to explain 
or what did this mean and what did that mean? You know what I mean? Because it's like you don't get taught this in school. Which is set like I was ever like, why is it in our education system we can watch the the sex education stuff, but we can't watch Roots? Exactly. Why exactly. can't we watch uh you know uh th- 13, 13 years of slave? You. If you're a kid that hasn't been completely brainwashed yet to be that next generation racist, you may think, ooh, ooh, look how my classmates are responding to this. Look how sad they are. Hmm. Maybe I can understand why they're a little bit cautious or a little bit tense when they're around the police. Hmm. Maybe I can – you know, it's just like little stuff like that. But there's going to be an excuse why you can't do that. To them. Maybe I can start having deeper questions. Right. Uh, uh, asking them about these things. You know, my wife – my wife is, uh, thankfully, my wife, she's from uh, Cleveland. She's from Parma, which isn't the best part of Cleveland. Mm. So, like, she's pretty hip to, to a lot of things. And there's other things I educate her on. And there's right. other things, like, I mean, sometimes she gets mad, madder than me on certain things. Because, you know, for, uh, you ever seen, you, I'm sure you've seen Django, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So That's one of my favorite movies. That the guys get torn up by the dog. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that's a rough one. Django. Jango goes, yeah, your or, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio goes, your friend looks like green, green in the gills or whatever. And Jango's like, well, he just never seen anyone torn up by a dog. That's something I'm used to. Mm-hmm. So my wife would be the person that stands up and says, I'll buy him for $800 right now to end this. You right, know I mean? right. But sometimes for me, it's like, it, it's good because she's always on the forefront of those things. And like, to me, sometimes it's just like, yeah, I've I've seen that. Like you, like this is something that we can fight. This is something that is not going to be a fight right now. Like as far as yeah. moving things forward. Like so, it, it's good though. It's it's good. It's good. Uh, it, I, I'm proud of my wife for the way she like stands up and like though even like, you know, having gone through some things with this civil rights movement right now, and I guess putting myself out there to take criticism or whatever on my angry days or my mad days or the days where you know how's your school with that next question <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot I, so uh uh let me put on my tie and my suit so, oh my god uh, we have a diversity and inclusion uh oh, there we um, go uh, committee in athletics now mm. uh, that I'm a part of, and I, I mean I'll be honest. Like at first, I I I didn't think it was gonna go. You know, I I didn't know why it was, and <laughs> thankfully, uh, we have the right people on that uh, council or that uh, task force that are very dedicated to getting things done of all races and of all genders. Uh, you know, that are very. Uh, proactive in getting things done and the best part about it to me is you know uh we have some very strong women on not only in our in athletics but in our university right Hmm. so like we have extremely strong women on that task force and very intelligent women on that task force so like they are some of our strongest allies in this like all right so you're good you're good uh, and then as far as like the university standpoint we have a, a, a director of diversity and inclusive excellence. Uh, I, I hope I didn't mess that up. Uh, Dr. Wilson, who is, you know, a huge, huge freedom fighter in my books. And me and him, we talk, I mean, once a week, once every two weeks, we'll call each other and talk about things and things that 
uh, I can do and things he sees and things we need to get done. And I'm kind of like his foot soldier on certain things. And uh, uh, he's been awesome. He's been amazing. Uh, He's been a great leader for me. And, you know, the thing I think about is like, he's, he's all in, like, it's not just like a check the box kind of thing. It's not, right. uh, it's not a, yeah, I got, you know, the man gave me this job, so I'm not going to upset him. Like, no, he's, he's here to do his job and he's here to get things done. And me and him are on the same page with that. I don't know. You know, we haven't talked that much in depth. I'm kind of, I'd say I'm more of an extremist on some things than, than most, but like, uh, you know, he's, he's great. And the, the task force is great. And the people on there are great. And uh, the athletes are on there too, certain athletes. And, you know, they're awesome. And, and it's, it's really good. And I think there's going to be a lot of change and a lot of, you know, some of it will be uh, probably met with a little resistance, uh, but it is, you know, you're not doing something right. If you don't get met with a little bit of resistance, right. right? I heard so that. Uh, you just push forward. And the big thing is, the education and the, the mentorship in that. Cause there's, you know, there, every race that sympathizes with, with the, the plight of the black people in this country, there's two things I think of one, they're probably hurting too, because they actually have empathy. And two, when you, just like when you, and you've gone through this same as I have, uh, it, not with my wife's parents, but like different, uh, 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 you know, white people's parent, you know what I mean? Like yeah. when you, when, a, when you start to, to uh, get on the side of a black person, now you become as low as a black person. Right. So mm-hmm. like being able to help athletes out with that, like I had one athlete hit me up, like, you know, these, these racist people were saying all this demeaning stuff to them uh, uh, because they were posting like, you know, black lives matter and all that kind of stuff. And they got met with, uh, well, why, like pretty much why are you why are you supporting black people kind of thing? Like you're you know, kind of like making them out to be a traitor. And I think uh, I think it's how do, yeah, important. I was going to ask that. How do you deal with the athletes that are on either side? And then it's because it's like you're the coach. So like how can you get mad at them? Because I know you probably are thinking like, but they've been brainwashed to just think this. They're not, they're not a bad kid. Then we get on this topic and it's like, dang. Oh wait, they're an all lives matter person. Do you do you bother trying to change their mind? Like how do you, I would be frustrated because I'd be like, I, I don't know. I, I'm not gonna bring it up because I'm gonna feel like smacking you. So I don't know what to do. So, <laughs> yeah, so, no, so hey. the first time I met a athlete that was that had said some racist BS, right? <laughs> uh, uh, like like true. Like it was a long time. But it was probably I don't want to give out too much details because then you'll know. But like I was younger. All right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I worked directly with this kid and it was one of those things. Oh, I like you, Coach Day, but all the rest of those, you know, but like, oh, so oh. Um, uh, oh. and his teammates, <laughs> he, had, he had said some stuff. His teammates had heard him. So, like, there was a time where we actually had to go into the locker room and make sure the kid wasn't, you know, getting beat down in the locker room. And I always <laughs> wanted to kind of step left and you know what I mean but like I can't because, <laughs> you know but at that time like what I did was just I modeled for him just like if you're you're you know I modeled for him that no the the things you heard growing up weren't true right the right. things uh we're not all like this we can't you know and I talked to the athletes like if you respond a certain way 
all you are doing is validating everything he's known growing up. Yep. Right. So you got to be the bigger person, uh, yeah. but you can make your point without, without being violent or, or just not being a grown up. Cause you could, cause then you, to me, it pisses them off even more when you act like an adult and you handle the situation right, which always I love. But it's also just like, hey, now they can actually hear maybe what I have to say, you know, because if you if you punch them or you just yell, they're not going to hear anything you say. But if you say, exactly. hey, hey, hold up, hold up. I know what you've been taught. But look, all your teammates right here that you're supposed to have their back and they have yours. OK, they are of a different color. So stop treating them or stop acting like they're beneath you. Or when you leave this locker room, now they mean nothing to you. That's not how it should be. And I think through time and through learning, right, mm-hmm. they, they came around. I mean, I still, I still talk to this athlete to this day. And then now in my, my adult life, there was a situation. Not, not, I mean, I guess I was still an adult, whatever. I didn't feel like it. But uh, <laughs> so recently there was a situation uh, and, and I love this athlete's death. Like, and it was something from their past that got brought up. And Ooh. I, I like immediately called the athlete and told them, I love you. Like, I care about you. I know you're not this way. It was a mistake. Let's talk through this mistake. I support the athlete. I, you know, I don't, I, to me, if my heart feels a certain way, then that's what's right. 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 Like, okay. People could call me whatever. But in my heart, if, if my heart feels a certain way, that's what's right to me. So, like, to me, it was it was a, a very harsh, uh, uh, not a mistake. It was a harsh, uh, it was a harsh lesson to learn for them, right? And I just educated and loved, you know what I mean? And that was my right. thing. We, I, the athlete would be crying for the, first, for the first month or so, probably three or four times a week. We'd be talking and they'd just be bawling. Wow. I'd just be there for them. I'd just be there for them and talk to them and like love up on them. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I support them to people that had a strong opposition. I support them to, uh, they're not peers, but other athletes that have very strong oppositions and very strong uh, ideas of their own. And eventually, those athletes that had strong opposition, they came around in their own time to understand my point of view, right? And my point of view was, you know, listen, like I said earlier, what are we trying to accomplish with this civil rights movement? Okay, that's the main thing. We can't break off, attack racism, and not come back with another person, right? Mm. So the whole cancel culture. So if I... If I'm marching forward and to my left, there's someone that is racist, right? I break off, I villainize, I cancel that person out, I come back. Well, I, how, what, what did I do besides break off and make the movement weaker as we're trying to march forward? Right. If I can teach, educate, and love and change, mm. come back. Now you have an ally. The other side has lost the person yep. and we've gained an ally. And that is a very like strategic uh, I guess war way of looking at it, but to me, like that is the way you handle those situations, especially if your heart tells you, "Listen, this is a good person. This is a person that I've I've talked to their parents. I've I've been to uh, 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 I've been to uh, uh, athletic events and seen their parents and hugged their parents, and you know their parents have have, have uh, uh, always been kind to me, and 
I've grown close to the family and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? So like, I know their heart. Right. At least I think I know their heart. So what you're saying doesn't match what uh, what lesson they're learning. So right. let's continue to help them out. And you know, I'm not gonna lie to you. A lot of people were a little kind of pissed off at me and didn't want to hear what I had to say. Uh, and, and it, but eventually they came around to it because, again, you can't not gain allies in time like this. And, and why not? It, it's it. You know what it is? It's a laziness. It's easier to cancel somebody because then you. That's it. It's harder to try to actually give examples, give anecdotes, give all this information to this new person and try to sway them and say. Listen, this is where I'm coming from as your coach, who you love. This is where your teammates are coming from, who you love. This is why you need to get on this side, okay? That is more work. I think most people don't want to put in the work to do that. But at the end of the day, how are you ever going to win the fight if you don't get more people on your side? At the end of the day, those people will vote a certain way that doesn't benefit you. Why not get some of them on your side? Simple. Mm -hmm. And I think I think love is work. I think uh, caring is work. Yeah. I think helping human beings out is work. So you have to be, if you're, a, I'm, my, my thing I live by is be about what you say you're going to be about. Right. So if I say I'm about love, compassion, and, and more than just uh, stats, wins, losses, whatever that might be, then damn it, I'm going to be about that, right? right? Because that is who I am as a person. That is my identity. And and that's even in the face of adversity. Because it's easy to say, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to let someone else handle this. I'm going to let the proper channels handle this. I'm going to let this. this no, They're this not going to handle it, though. Handle that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, 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 it's lazy. It's, it's, it, I think, inherently selfish and it's weak. So, I will if I believe I truly believe in something and I know what's right, I'm going to do what's right. I didn't ask for permission to call the person or to continue to mentor the person or to uh, be there for the person while they cried. I didn't ask permission for that. I knew what was right. I was going to do what was right. And I didn't care what our stance was going to be on it or what I know what's right in my heart. And I am at the end of the day, I have to sleep. I go to sleep at night and I have to live with myself. Right. right. So I'm not going to do, I'm, I'm going to do what puts, I feel comfortable sleeping at night. You know what I mean? Right. So that's just how I feel about it. But that's how I've handled. I've, I've been successful right now with handling racism. <clears throat> I haven't, I haven't had, but you know, one athlete that was actually racist and then one that had a hard lesson to learn from the past. So right. I haven't encountered that amongst the athletes I've worked with very often, if at all. Right. Besides those two instances. And like I said, the, the, the last instance I talked about, that person's not racist. So yeah. uh the person <clears throat> before that, yeah, there was there was there was a problem <laughs> with them. But again, I, I still talk to that person this day. So <clears throat> All right. You know, well now that we got I'm that first hour right. over with <laughs> 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 
<laughs> let's get into some strength and goddamn conditioning. There'll <laughs> be people like, God damn, they still on this shit. Yeah, they're going to be like, oh, black people are pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they, they were nice guys. To listen to Malcolm X and Martin Luther King debate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's start from scratch. Uh, tell us what you do and where you work. <laughs> well, uh, I'm Donald Day. Uh, Obviously, I'm a freedom fighter, <laughs> if I can call myself that. Uh, and I work at Georgia Southern University. Okay. Yeah, like three hours away from every time I'm like, oh, maybe I should ask him if I can come visit. I'm like, geez, I don't know. Three hours is a long way. Uh, Coach, I'm not going to lie. I've never come to Atlanta. I'm not going to lie. I've never been. I probably won't ever go. Really? you never been? I, I play, We played Georgia State like okay, two years okay. ago. But, like, we stayed outside of Atlanta, so I've never been, like, I've never, like, ventured around. Like, I I can't really count that as being there. But you guys are D1, though, right? What'd you say? You guys are D1, though, right? Yes, sir. Okay, okay. But you guys only played Georgia University, though, once, you said? We played Georgia State one Football, when I was working with football, we played Georgia State one time. Like a year, though, right? Or does it change on your schedule? Okay, okay. Okay. Um. Uh. What sports did you play growing up? Uh, growing up, I was everything track. Uh. Uh. What else did I play? I didn't play basketball. Uh. Because I sucked. Uh, <laughs> uh. Coach actually told me he loved my heart, but I was wasting my time. <laughs> hey, that's a good coach. So that that is a good coach. You grow up, you're like, yeah, he was right. He was right. I was hoping it was gonna be like Michael Jordan, where like I come back and become an NBA player. But it never happened. No, uh, I played. Uh, what did I play? I played track, football. Never played baseball. I wish I would have. And uh, that was about it. Yeah, track and football was about it. Where did you? Uh, did you end up going to college for football? Or? Yeah, I went to the University of Finley, where I was like a. a li- I was. I was. Uh, what was that dude? I was like. Uh, Ah, who's that dude, that old dude that used to be on the heat bench? The heat From bench? Five. Oh. Uh, uh, was it Juwan Howard? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Juwan Howard. Juwan Howard, yeah. I was like Juwan Howard. I, <laughs> hey, if, I'll get a few minutes, and then if we're winning by 50, I'll get in there and do some damage. But if, we, if there's a chance that we're going to lose, hell no. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I I played good. I played I you know I was a backup D tackle right. and uh, I I played my role and I enjoyed being on the team. I you know I I worked hard and yeah. you know did I have the career I, I envisioned? No, but like I I had fun. But I look back. So so for me, this is going to be my last year playing semi pro ball. But I'm like transitioned because I want to be. I've been wanting to be a coach for a long time. So I'm like like I'm just looking at right now, just getting better and better and better at coaching. Now, knowing what you know now, if you had the training or the or the coach that you for strength conditioning that you had back then, could you have been a much better player? Because I look at myself and I'm like, geez, I missed out on a lot that I see other players getting from like ten years old, and I'm like, ooh, that's how you make yeah. a D one player. Like, so t- tell me about that. Like, do you think you could have been a lot better if you would have had the training that I you think had? That you know? in, in, I think in college I had a really good strength coach. Like, oh, a you really did. Good he was a West Side guy, actually. Oh, really? Okay. In high, in high school, uh, I had a good, you know, my 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 uh, defense coordinator was our strength coach, and mm-hmm. like we did everything. Like, uh, was it like specific to 
football probably mm-hmm. not but like back then nothing was and then uh uh i think that like the only thing i wish is I, it was still that time where everyone's like you got to specialize in one sport which was obviously my skill set is not great so like right. i had the skill set to do one thing but mm-hmm. i had the ability to probably play one or two other positions uh, and I would have had a better college career had I worked on that uh, uh, on that skill set. Like I, I would have been a really good fullback, hmm. but I never. I only played nose tackle. Like I was, I specialized literally at one position. So hmm. I think I. Yeah, that's I, the thing I with football myself. too. A lot of times they do that. Like basketball, it's like you got to be to play more than one. Like you got to be to play more than one. Yeah, in college I could have been like a goal line. In high school I could have been a goal line running back or like a, a starting fullback and probably started at D tackle too. Uh, and then in college, I think I would have been a perfect fullback, but I, my skill set by that time was just to play nose tackle. So right. I think developing my skill set is one thing. And I think I could have been, you know, I was a D2 football player. Could I have been an FCS best baseball player? I mean, I think I could have been a good home run hitter, but like, I mean, who, how, how would I know? I don't know. Right. I think I had a good I think I if I would play baseball early, I would have had a better baseball career uh, than I would have football. Yeah. Um, how did you get into coaching? So, honestly, my college strength coach really inspired me. And a lot of things I do and lessons I've learned, I, I carry on from him. And uh, uh, the, the, the romanticized uh, story is he inspired me and I got an internship and it went from there. The real story is uh, I failed out of college first semester freshman year <laughs> trying to be in PT school. Oh, I know how that is. Strength and <laughs> is the closest thing. <laughs> and that's the way I decided to go. <laughs> so had I been smarter, I would be a PT right now. Taking hmm. money. Um, that's a good transition. How did you get the job you have now? Uh, I begged and I, I put a $20 <laughs> bill on my resume. You now, said you, I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, it was actually pretty tough to get this one, but, uh, so when I was with football in 2018, we had an athletic trainer slash director of sports medicine that I worked with, uh, uh, Brandy Klaus and she, uh, eventually, you know, a few years, a year or so down the line, she, uh, took over like overseeing strength and conditioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, the director of strength and conditioning on the Olympic side, he left and, uh, you know, I was approached about the job and, you know, I, I, it wasn't like a thing where like, oh, well, Don's here. So we'll just hand him the job. Mm-hmm. I actually, my boss, Brandy, who's still my boss right now, uh, who was my coworker, but now my boss, she, uh, she didn't make it easy on me. I had to, uh, interview in front of all these all the sport coaches uh i had to like a round table interview which wow. was terrible uh yeah i had to uh interview uh with the hiring committee which one of those hiring committees people on the hiring committee was my boss at the time mm. so you can imagine how weird that was right so like uh you know you're going for a job at the same university uh while going to work every day with your boss who is on the hiring committee. Hmm. So that was weird. And then, you know, uh, (laughs) 
and when I finally got the job, like I remember Brandy calling me, Miss Klaus calling me, Mrs. Klaus calling me, and her saying like, you know, I have to go with the best person and this and that, and her her uh, tough tough way that she does things. <laughs> and then she finally said, and I won't offer you the job. I was like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, Brandy! Like, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't think I didn't get it? And I'm thinking in my head, gosh, dog. I didn't get this job. My boss is on the hiring committee. I'm definitely going to get fired if I don't get this job. What am I going to do next? And then all of a sudden, I'm offering you the job. Oh, well, thank you. You gave me a mini heart attack. <laughs> um, have you always wanted to be a strength coach at a college and not like an individual facility? Yeah, I've always wanted to be a strength coach at a college. I did private sector. Uh, now, not to like, I know there's different levels and everything, not to sound ignorant, but uh, I did have fun, but I worked at Gold's Gym in Pittsburgh oh, at, wow. at some point in time. And it at first it was really fun. And then we got a new boss that kind of like made us follow rules and protocols and write things down. Uh, but yeah. like I would literally go in there and swing it because I ignorantly <laughs> at the time I was like, well, whatever I make up is better than what they're doing right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't like any good program. It was just like, hey, what have we got today is what well, we got. I, Honestly, most of it was just, hey, we're going to do, like, it was literally, like, hit training. Like, all right, there's six <laughs> machines right here. We're going to do them all four times in a row. It's like, just set to ten. <clears throat> I remember one time I made this girl do, uh, I know, this one time I had this older guy, like, probably in his 50s. I made him do ten sets of ten RDLs. Oh, my God. Yeah, so that was, like, our half an hour. That was the whole half an hour. And he loved it, though. He loved it. <laughs> the, be the best thing I learned that, like, helped me get clients and helped me keep clients was make them sweaty. Yeah, yeah. That's what people want. In those settings, that's what that's all people want. That's all. Yeah, that, it yeah. didn't matter what I did. Like, the, the more I messed them up and the more the sweatier they were, the happier they were. And I was like, <laughs> I'm just literally – like, literally, I would go in there. I'd look at my clients and, like, my list of clients <laughs> for the day. And I'd just be like, all right. Sometimes I'd do the same thing with them every day. Sometimes, like, I would just, like, all right, client A through Z, we're doing the exact same workout just for the next, like, you know, I'm going to do eight hours of the same workout. And sometimes I'd get bored. I'd just be like, all right, well, let me see what kind of tortures I can make up so and actually make it through. Um, so I know that's not the same thing you do. You work performance. Me, I was... I no, but but that's where I started out. I, my first job, like in between when I went back to playing in college, I did um I worked at a crunch gym. So it was like I had only like a bodybuilding knowledge back then, and and then I was dealing with regular people. So it's just like, yeah, how can I kill them the hardest? How can I make them limp out of here? And it's like, all right, four by twenty five on the damn like <laughs> But it's like, and it's like, it's crazy. Like now transitioning, like athletes, like, no, they're going after a result. I'm trying not to beat them up in the workout. I'm trying to make them get the most out of it quick as possible. So then they could go do all the damn skill work they got to do. It's crazy. Like transitioning from, but it's, it's just like knowledge. It's just like, like while I was at my last year playing in college, it was just, I just started watching Westside and I'm like, oh, this is a whole nother thing. It's this a, is a whole, whole different level. I'm like, what? This is how I'm supposed to be doing it? And, <laughs> and this is why I look back. I'm like, yo, if I was doing this since like eight, ten years old or whatever. Oh, my God. All this unnecessary running. God yeah. damn it. Yeah. The running is the worst part. I mean, 
to your question earlier, like I did West Side. Well, not West Side because only West Side does West Side. Right, 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 right. Trying to get training uh, all through college. So, like, as far as strength goes and all that, like, I am now. I am. I'm stronger than I was in college, but not leaps and bounds stronger. Right. Like, I let's see. So we had an uh, athletic trainer at my college. So just keep in mind that means he was the tape guy. So yeah, (laughs) I didn't have a yeah. I was trying to do it on my own. That's what I was trying to do. Which is sad. <laughs> Which is uh, sad, yeah. Because I'm trying to guess as I go, trying to do schoolwork and just be like, oh, let me try to learn some more. Yeah, it was – It was. It was. I, I was lucky to get the coach I got, and he really inspired me. And, like, mm-hmm. I mean, my first, like – my first few times I had teams of my own as a, as a strength coach, like, mm-hmm. I was kind of, like – keep things very similar format to what he was doing like right and, and then as i grew and got more comfortable i started to expand more yeah yeah um what sports do you enjoy uh the most to train i mean i honestly like i like all of them kind of pretty much the same like there there's like you know i have baseball and soccer right now and i used to have volleyball and always pros and cons of everyone you know what i mean so it's not like you know my ladies they'll like everyone will be like it's funny they're all like like when i had baseball they'd be like oh you just want to be with volleyball when i have volleyball they'd be like oh you just care about the baseball guys women's hmm. soccer be like oh you just want to be with volleyball whatever and i tell them listen guys i i hate you all equally the same all right <laughs> uh, <laughs> like like you know for example the pros of baseball like we push weight they're they're very bought into lifting they're very like uh, they're very task focused. They're almost like here. It's like training, almost like a, a academy team. You know what I mean? They're so hmm. far into everything. The con would be the schedules are absolutely terrible. Oh, and yeah. and with pitchers, it's it's. I'd say it's so like specialized now that like like just the it goes back to the schedule, right? So like it, this person's hot on this day, but he's not hot on this. He's not playing this day and like all this stuff. Then like so, and then with women's soccer, they're they're awesome. They're like they're very into it. They're I'm lucky that my women's soccer team is very about lifting. So like, and my coach lets me do whatever I want. And, like, okay. I have three days a week with them, and most coaches are like, ah, we don't want to lift because they might. Nah, he doesn't like. Oh it. Today, <laughs> today we were talking, and he was like. Hey, I love the upper body stuff you're doing because we were doing this one drill and they were able to push and do this. And I'm like, yeah, coach, that's why we bench. So, like, uh, the con with that is they do so much running. But it's also a because it makes me think outside the box, right? Like, I never would say in a million years before this year, I'm not going to squat an athlete. But now, uh, a little bit of West Side, everything has a max. So, like, I can – Look, a load is a load to me. I just gotta find the max so I can load appropriately, right? Right. Uh, so that's it's a pro and a con. With volleyball, uh, you know the pros were obviously like my volleyball team like loved me, and the culture of that volleyball team was really like as far as like between me and them was locked solid. Like they they absolutely adored me. So like it was also it was always a good environment. The con being. Sometimes not all of them want to lift heavy or get after it. And not heavy, like, heavy is re- relative. So, right, right. Uh, I mean, sometimes, you know, it just, it, it, it's, it's, it's not a culture of lifting. 
right? Yeah, so yeah. I had to develop that culture of training. But it's also a pro in that aspect of getting to develop a culture of training within a team that traditionally uh, hadn't been pushed that hard in the weight room. So was it, was it the max effort they had a problem or was it like dynamic squats and deadlifts? Or something oh, no, like dynamic stuff. I mean, if you tell people they're going to jump higher because of it, that's what they want. So like right, right, right. the max effort, getting them to understand like your jump is only going to go as far as the amount of power you can put, the amount of force you can put into the ground. If you, right. I don't care how many times you can't jump high. You know, I mean, right. they always, you know, my volleyball players like, hey, we got, we got to run, we got to run, we got to run. And oh, I was like, God. Yeah, when do you run I, in your sport? I don't know, but all right. Yeah, but I was like, <laughs> listen, I, I don't care how many times you can be in great conditioning, but if you can't <clears throat> jump high, it doesn't matter how many times you can't jump high. Right. You know what I mean? So let's get the outputs we want and then work on how many times we can get those outputs. Right. So, you know, if you can only jump two inches off the ground, that doesn't really help us much. <laughs> yeah. Um, what are some principles or guidelines you run your strength department by? So for me, it's, uh, <laughs> I talk about this all the time and, you know, I'm not like a big credit stealer, but I'm pretty, believe it or not, I, I, I've never said this about myself. Uh, I don't know if I'm humble or not to get in my own way, but like, I let my staff be my staff. You know what I mean? Right. Like I, 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 I hired the staff to be professionals right so let the professionals be the professionals and there might be times we have differences in opinions on how to train but we have the same uh guidelines and same heart as how to take care of our athletes and our athletes are always first you know we believe in uh, uh the same things as far as the human aspect of things so however you get that accomplished how you get that accomplished i trust you 100 uh, percent. another thing that i'm, I'm very well, oh sorry sorry I don't mean to interrupt you. Does not everybody under you do conjugate? Oh, hell no. Oh, wow. Come on. So how, how, was, that? how was that? How was <laughs> that? So <laughs> I don't mean to cause I a mean, rift, but how is that? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's everyone. Everyone has their, I don't, I don't want a bunch of mini me's. You know what I right, mean? Right. Like, okay. I, I want a bunch of people that are innovators and that help me get better. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, so for example, uh, I've uh, I've learned a lot about nutrition and uh, the importance of nutrition for my staff. You right. know what I mean? Uh, being a, a D two guy, nutrition wasn't important. To me. Yeah, and, that's true. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, uh, and because it wasn't there, uh, uh, be, you know, I've learned a lot about uh, different types of training. Like me and my assistant uh, director, Coach Lee, we were sitting down talking uh, the other day about like. He's like, why do you box squat and blah, blah, And, like, he's more of a full range of motion. Like, you know, he's a mixed bag, but, right. you know, full range of motion. And we kind of talked about things. And at some point in time in my career, I did believe in, I guess, I think now, more extreme ranges of motion. And then I kind of got off of it and, right. and for different reasons. But, like, you know, they make me think more. You know what right. I mean? And more, uh, uh, you know, I, I think that, like, I don't want a bunch of conjugate people. Like, do, uh, do, eventually, I do hit one or two people that end up being conjugate. I have a young lady that's uh, a conjugate mind, and like, I, I love it because we can bounce ideas off of each other. But you know, if we're both thinking the same, who's going to tell us we're wrong? So I need right. people that tell me I'm wrong. So like, another thing with my staff is like, I give them autonomy, empowerment, and ownership. <laughs> like, my staff 
looks like the United Nations. And uh, I, I, I want a diverse staff, not only in uh, race, gender, but also in, in mindset, right? And I empower them in that. I don't have a diverse staff just to have diverse staff. I have right. a diverse staff because I want to empower people that might not be empowered otherwise, right? Hmm. And plus, for I, we deal with a diverse population, so, like, I think your staff should reflect that. I think, you know, we have international students, right? I have a guy on my staff that's from Spain. Uh, we have, uh, 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 I, we work with females. My staff is, I mean, how many females do we have? We have four females. We have four females on staff. Uh, you know, uh, there's me. There's uh, Coach Lee. He's a Caucasian male. Like, and, and the thing about that where I think people mess up is, they have a diverse staff and then they don't empower them to do their jobs. So what message is that giving to the athletes? If I, if, if my female <coughs> saw that my female staff members, all they did was prepare nutrition and clean, then I am, I am literally putting the image out there that, that no matter what they do, that they're going to be uh, dehumanized by a male at some point in time. And I don't want that. Right. I want them to see strong women. I mean, my females on staff, <laughs> they'll MF me or, or or tell me I'm dumb on something or what. It might not be like that, but like, <laughs> they'll they'll correct me real fast. All right, right. And and I, I don't mind that at all because if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. So right. like, but it, I want athletes to see that, especially like uh, those less empowered populations historically, to see that you can make it and you can do this and we have a staff that can teach you how to do this. Right. You know, we talk about life after sport. Well, this is a living example while you're playing sports of how to get to the, the, the point you want to be. And we have people to serve as models and resources for you guys to lean on. Right. right. Um, what are some things you do that Louie doesn't do? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> Louis way smarter than I am. So like, <laughs> like Louis could, Louis couldn't run my system like I run it, and I couldn't run his like he does. Right. 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 Uh, so for example, my day, my my periodization, my program is set up, and I'm just like my bait, like the base level, not talking about differences in sports or whatever. So I run a uh, uh, a wave periodization mm. with. Uh, 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 tier system, I guess, model. And I use the kind of, I, I, I periodize my weeks based off of Cal Dietz's, uh, one is a, um, moderate intensity day, whatever the next day is a high intensity. And then the third day is low intensity, uh, more volume. I just look at the intensities and then, uh, I also do a high low periodization. So there's days in between, are my low days where we're doing more acceleration or we're doing uh, more, uh, you know, more long distance runs that uh, aren't very high in intensity, right? Because those are my recovery days. Right. And uh, also within those days, my, my moderate, heavy, and uh, low, I, peer, I, I plan those days based off of the tonnage that my, my athlete will be able to push. So my moderate intensity day, you, the, the max effort on that day is always uh, your, your, your second heaviest lift, 
right? Uh, my high intensity day, that is going to be the lift that is the strongest, which most people, that's the back squat. Mm-hmm. Some teams, it's a deadlift, but most teams, I find it's the back squat. And then uh, my, my uh, low intensity day just happens to be for the populations I work with, bench press. Right? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> and, and then if you look at those days, right, <clears throat> my days are kind of pure, like <clears throat> I do a max effort movement. Then we go into our dynamic effort movement, and then we go into our rep effort. But I don't mm-hmm. do rep effort as fail sets of bench or whatever. I do it as my accessories that complement whatever movement, fall, whatever lift falls into that tier. But do you do sense. the accessory that addresses the weakness of that specific? Per- I know it's different because you're working with a team setting. But like, yes, if the person I, is yes, weak in the hamstring, yes. you're going you're going for hamstring as that first one, and then maybe you then do glute or and low back or something like that. Like, is that? Yeah, so like, <clears throat> like, so let's say day one, my max effort is deadlift, right? Right. Uh, let's then we go into our second uh, stage, dynamic effort. Would let's say it ends up being squat. So we'll do like a maybe a, a, a split squat. We'll do a, whatever squat variation we do for our dynamic mm-hmm. effort, and then wait. Well, what is the sets effort, and reps for that? Because you're oh, doing a max, God. then you're doing dynamic the same day. So how do, you're not doing? Are you doing twelve doubles still? Or are you doing five by five? Like. No, I'm going. I'm going like, fourteen reps of like doubles or triples. Do lower body I do doubles, 14. upper body I do triples. And I, I, I eventually, as we get close to maxing out, mm-hmm. I am cutting back. I am step loading my, uh, my dynamic effort. You know what I mean? So for three weeks we do the same dynamic effort, and then we'll cut it down, and we'll okay. do that for three weeks. So by the time I max out, I'm not trying to, uh, peak all my different efforts at once. The only thing I care about is max. I mean, when I go to max out, I'm obviously worried about a new max, a new absolute number, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I can't chase that absolute number on my max effort and try to uh, peak my dynamic effort and peak my accessories. Something isn't going to, something's going to get a misfire on. But for your, if you're doing your dynamic, are you doing explosive strength range? Are you doing speed strength? So are you doing the, 75 80 85 or are you doing what is it 65 70 75 because i'm trying to think because because the bar so weight would be 40, I, I go off the i go off the, the tendo unit and okay. so the way i look at it my max effort movement is inherently slower than a dynamic effort right right, right. so i want to give them a different stimulus on my dynamic effort mm-hmm. so i want it to be uh literally like in the the top end of the speed range like i'm going uh, 1.0 to 1.3 on a Nintendo. Oh, okay. like extremely fast. So, I mean, what percentage that might be? I don't know. Maybe it's like 35 to 45%. Mm-hmm. And I'm blessed to have Tendo units. So like, I let yeah, it auto regulate, <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, if it's really off of what you can produce, like what right. can you give me? So does that change different days? Yeah, it does. But like, I, as long as I'm getting that absolute, uh, I, I don't want to say absolute speed, but like as long as I'm hitting that threshold, you know what I mean? <clears throat> and, uh, and then, you know, so that's kind of how I do my day. It's very complicated. It, it sounds more complicated than what it really is. I kind of get, I kind of get it just, I just, cause I've always seen like what's like, okay, all right, during the season, probably going down to three days if, if we can, off season, probably four days, but I've always been like, Okay, we do the max effort day, 
and we have a dynamic day both for lower, both for upper. But you're saying the combo is that it now? Do you only do that because because like the sport that you're doing, or if they're in season, like would you do a normal like or a I guess a West Side conjugate where you're doing that four days if you could do four days? Is it also because you have maybe 50 kids in the weight room? Like I always want to wonder what that looks like. You know, like why is it why is it the three? The three so days for, and one. for me, three days just works really well in like a high low model. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for me, like the max effort primes the nervous system for your dynamic effort, right? Yes, okay. And yeah. then at the end, I have to get like I, I want to get accessory work in, obviously, mm-hmm. because I'm working with athletes and not bodybuilders or power lifters, right? Uh, so that it just works out well that way. During season, we'll have a max effort day and a dynamic effort day. Mm-hmm. Uh, just two days a week and the max effort is always the furthest day away from the game the dynamic effort i mean hell if 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 we had the freedom and the schedule and the facility we would do dynamic effort literally uh well not dynamic effort if we had the the freedom the schedule the facilities i would probably do max effort lift my max effort day uh the day of games with baseball mm-hmm. oh okay to prime the central nervous system to go out the competition and- right soccer i do max effort day the furthest day away from the games and then my dynamic effort is more i look i mean when i think of dynamic like dynamics dynamic to me so like when we do like with soccer it's not so much with barbells as i'm looking for out outputs like jumps and stuff like that yeah we'll do jumps jumps, we'll do yeah that kind of stuff because at the end of the day the body doesn't know if it's a barbell or if it's you know what i mean like I especially for, for those because the soccer players, I'm guessing I haven't worked on any soccer players yet, but they got they may have even more overuse injuries than the basketball players because they're running so much. So the barbell may beat them up too much. So maybe you just want to do like you said, the body doesn't know, but we can move this way so we can do jumps instead. Is that why you have them do the jumps? And, and not yeah, the barbell yeah. Right? I'm looking for high CNS output, right? right? Okay. So a, a plyometric <clears throat> is a high CNS output. So <clears throat> that's what I'm going to be chasing. And it, it's just easier on the body. Plus, I teach, uh, you know, teach them how to absorb force, right? Right. And doing a jump, so that's uh, it. Kills kind of two birds in one stone. Um, how is the programming different between baseball, soccer, and volleyball? Just in a general, you don't have to get too specific, but what is like some general just differences that are between those three? Because those are the only three you work with right now, right? Well, right now I only work with two, but Uh-oh. I can talk about last. I can talk about last year. Okay. So like. There's a there's a there's a a, a golden program I truly believe in, right? Uh, but I break like everybody gets different pieces of it depending on their training, right? Mm. So like and situational and all that kind of stuff. Like I don't copy and paste anything. Like I individualize for sport, but like I'd say so. Last year, towards the end of the uh, uh, the spring, some, towards but right before COVID. Right, so baseball was probably running, and my program's organic, so mm. like it changes year to year to year. Mm. But like, and it should because your athletes change. Right. So, baseball was running the closest to like how, like the way I train myself is you know kind of like I I do my own program so I can work out the nooks and crannies, right? Right. Uh, and I do like the like when I ride program, I always train myself on it. But like anyway, the closest to how I envision my program running is what baseball gets in their own specific way. Like mm-hmm. things are edited and changed to 
fit the athletes' demands for their sport. But baseball, I'd say, would run like 90% of what I would say is the 100% true version of the program. Mm -hmm. I'd say volleyball uh, was probably at – they probably started like, you know, at ground zero, but they were getting close to where baseball was as far as running it uh, because they had been with me so long. Mm -hmm. And soccer right now is – I'd say we're about mm, 65 to 70% there, but their sport is so different. I have right. to be different. Right. Like, I mean, we, we, you know, in the spring, they just started box squatting. And I wanted to box squat them because I truly believe in box squat, but, like, they weren't ready for that. So all we did was deadlift, you know what I mean? And, like, that was how we trained. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, like I said, a load's load. So right. if I can, you know, if I can get a max, you know, but, and they did really good when we started box squatting, uh, softball or soccer in a different way. They're, they're ahead in certain areas because they sumo deadlift and it really works for them. And it's really good for the low back, the groin and all that kind of stuff, right. uh, uh, which is important in their sport. So every team gets different versions of what, if, if in a perfect scenario, what I would run. Right. Which is how it should be because it's not really. I'm not in a perfect scenario. I'm in a real scenario, right? Right. So I, I, you have to give them what they need, not what you wish they could do. Right. Yes. yes. So I, I, I look at every program. I look at every team, and and I program to what they need and and uh, what's realistic and what their sport demands. That dictates a lot of what the programming is going to look mm. like. How um how individualized can you make? The programs being that you are like, as far as I know from other coaches I've speaking to that are in a college setting, whether every hour you got a different team, different thing. Like if you got 50 kids in there, like how indiv- can, are you like, all right, this is what everybody's going to do. And then you just come around trying to adjust as you go with form and stuff. Or is it like you have an individual program for each kid? Like, how does that work? Like, you know, so every, everyone wants individualized programs, right? right everyone right. tells you this needs to be individualized. This needs to be this, this needs Correct. to be that. But no one realizes uh, the worst thing you can do is overload yourself and not be able to coach the program, right? Yeah, right, so, right, right. Like, I can't have 10 different programs. Right, like, yeah. And and our kids are not to the point where – I mean, I don't think there's very many college players that need individualized strength programs because right. most of them, especially on – don't start lifting until they get to me. Right, yes, yes. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Like, most of them – you could do a whole bunch with like the basics and we could everybody almost do the same and they're going to blast through the roof because they never even touched a barbell before or any, anything in the weight room. Right. So, yeah. right. So, uh, uh, it's just, uh, it's it just, uh, it's, it's, I don't, I individualize for position groups, right? That, women's yes. Soccer, okay. okay. Women's soccer. I don't yet because, mm. They've only they've been training with me, and it, because of coronavirus and other stuff, they were starting to get to the point where if we were trained all spring, I might start breaking up goalies and and my field players. But like, there was no need. You know oh I mean? oh, oh wait wait before oh sorry 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 before I forget okay now if you're doing dynamic day right that's where you have to get individualized right or ha- or get some ownership on the play to be like okay it's. Oh, no, no, no. But you adjust to percentages of the te- – I mean, you just – to how the speed is for the 10 of you. Because I was going yep. so well, to say, well, is there individual max, but you're like, me. whatever is on the day. If you're keeping that speed, go ahead and up the weight. Is that, that's, is that how you kind of yeah, do it? Yeah, with the tendo unit, 
Like it out of reg. I mean, that's that's as individual. Like auto regulation is based off of your central nervous system, so right. that's individualized as hell. And they know what zone to be in, and they've trained with tendos long enough. They know like pretty much where to start and what to go down to or what to go up to. Gotcha. So like they they know how to take weight off, put weight on. What you know? Hey, we're not gonna put twenty pounds on. Maybe put two and a half or five. Right, right. They know to stay in the zone. So, okay. And they're starting to learn that. They learned that real quick. Mm-hmm. But, like, I I am not a big – I think people get too cute with programming, and you don't need to. Right. The basics work for a very long time. And when they stop working, that's when you guys start getting individualized. I have a uh, baseball player coming in now that squats uh, 605 as to grass. So, well, he'll probably get more individualized <clears> by his sophomore year. But right, right now – He's going to be a freshman. So, Where did he come from that he was already squatting 605? I honestly, I don't pay attention. <laughs> I, I, I don't like when it comes to recruiting, where they come from, what stars, what, right. how good I'll, I'll find out how good you are when you play. And, uh, you're, you're where you're from. I'll, I'll learn when I have a conversation. <laughs> um, what equipment do you have? That's from Westside and, and, if you do, which ones do you use the most or like to use the most with your athletes? The golden the golden glove of all equipment that no one uses, the reverse hyper. Thank you. Yes. That's I got right. three of them. I got three of them. There, what, which ones do you have? Uh, the old school ones, like old, old school ones. Oh, okay. I actually made a trade with the football <laughs> train coach. I think I gave him like a glute ham and like something else for the reverse hyper. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was a steal. You have the steal. um the bent pendulum, dual pendulum, all those ones. Yes, yes. Okay, okay, yeah. Um, how do you test your athletes? We really don't care about like I don't care about max outs. Like now, I become a douchebag uh, once once a once once a semester <laughs> once a year with baseball because they love max out day. So I bring in a DJ and I'm a <laughs> like it's 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 that's it's pretty so funny. douchey. It's so douchey, but like. I honestly, I really care more about like working sets and like, you know, and like, hey, like this is like a bonus set. Like we might be at ninety five or whatever percentage. Hey, here's a bonus set. See what you can hit. And now let's go off of this. I, uh, I think with max out day, you know, people get test anxiety. People get whatever, and like you might, you might not do as good on max out day. And no one knows when people peak, right? So like, right. like, I just try to constantly follow like you know when you feel good let's go like you know what i mean right like, push yourself a little bit like, now when I, now when i mean max it's like i mean um, when i mean test i mean like it's just like test their vertical test their like 40 or 10 depending on the sport but oh, you say you max sports. out you test you you max out like on a re- on a regular right so i'm saying like how do you test them like what like um jesus what am i doing like how are you testing just their vertical like every week or like how are you testing their bench or a squat like are do you have a certain go-to exercise i don't mean like literally like combine style i mean just like how how do you test them like just to know where they are you know so we'll test them we'll test them like on their like i'd say like more their performance measurables right they're like explosive movements like the vertical the broad all that right right right, okay i don't do verticals i do broad jumps okay uh because I really work more – most sports – I mean, every sport is horizontal pretty much. Like, yeah. you you, li- you you live on a parallel surface, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, most forces are horizontal, except for, like, 
you know, your volleyball, but you still got to move forward yeah. right? and backwards. So, like, yeah. uh, I do the broad jump, but we'll do that, like, the end of, of the semester. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of, you know, just, like, it. it's not combine style, but, like, that's the closest I can think to describe it. But I really don't waste a lot of time in <clears throat> testing. I kind of – I've so I learned this last year, all right? So volleyball – and this is my first year working with volleyball. We tested them uh, at the beginning and end of, like, every kind of, like, semester with me. So, like, summer, beginning and end. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 season, beginning and end. Spring, <clears throat> beginning, and there was we tested right before COVID. Mm-hmm. So that is six times we tested. Mm-hmm. Every metric that we tested some that I didn't, you know, coach wanted some. And obviously like we do some of the things he wanted things that I'd never done before, but he said it was important to volleyball. So, you know, I, what coach wants me to do, uh, if, it, if it's safe for the athletes, it which there's never a, a time where a coach would want something that wasn't safe for the athletes. I mean, that you know, he's no one, no coach would want that. So, uh, every metric that we tested, they always PR'd it. Okay. It made me really believe that as long as they're training consistently, it doesn't matter what you do. The numbers are going to go up. So I don't put right. stock into testing. I mean, <clears throat> every football team I've ever been with, they always PR on everything. Right. So are we just the smartest coaches in the nation, or is it they're so undertrained going into college that you can, like, they're going to get better every time? Right. <clears throat> um, do you prioritize – raising maximal strength no matter the sport or does it change depending on the sport and the individual? I think maximal strength is one of the biggest things I prioritize. If you look at power, right? Power is the most sought after thing when it comes to performance, like powerful athlete, whatever, uh, twitchy, however people want to put it. So force can go up. Your power is four, is force times velocity, right? Right. Velocity can only go up 10 to 12% in an elite athlete. Force, though, the amount of weight you lift can go up tremendously, way high, 30, 40, 50%, something like that. So force is easier to do. But I don't want slow athletes, right? Right. So, like, there's many things that go into them not being stiff, whatever, training the right way. Uh, but I, I, I'll work both of those simultaneously. So I, I want them to be able to absorb and produce force. So, uh, you know, we have to train maximally on different uh, different kinds of uh, muscle actions, eccentric, right. all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I, I want them to be able to absorb just more than they can produce. Because if you can't absorb it, you can't produce it. Uh, so we, we maximal strength, absolute <clears throat> strength, is is something I I don't chase, but I take prior I prioritize. But that's not to say that's the only thing I care about. Obviously, right. I, I'm not like a, you know we're not. No one, no one won a game by seeing who squatted heavier. Right. <laughs> never load. Your body never learns how to absorb maximal force. Correct. So I, I chase maximal force, but that's not for numbers. That's a performance thing. And it's not just right. to produce maximal force. It's to absorb as much force as possible as well. Right. Um, what are the, some of the max, max effort exercises you have your kids do? Oh boy, uh, I mean it depends. Just on give the me team. a few from squat, bench, deadlift. You know, just like a few. So we'll back squat. Well, we all squat to boxes. 
Uh, and that that's a conversation that can go for an hour. Um, oh, okay. Well, give me a quick snippet. Do you do a lot of high, a lot of parallel, just below? Like, how how do you and do you rotate? How do you do that? Yeah. So for box squat, it I try to go parallel for everyone, right? Uh, but not like uh, a square. You can't fit a round hole into a square peg, right? Right. So a square peg into a round hole, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But uh, I I believe in getting parallel. I think parallel is good enough. I don't think you need to go below parallel, and it, you're putting more stress on the patella. More you're adding right. them to do more work, and it's just not worth it for the minimal amount of hamstring activation you get. So if you wide stance box squat, you're inherently hinging to do it. So you're getting way more hamstring activation. Parallel right. is fine, but right. you know some some people some people can't get parallel at the beginning, so we'll right. progress to parallel. Uh, some people. They might be two inches above. They might be an inch above. I used to always like, like, oh, no, that's not a squat. It's still a squat. If they can only get to there, like, it is what it is. And, like, right. now we work mobility and other things. To- it's like you have a max. You have a max mobility. So why not just get them on that mobility, right? Yeah. And okay, work that's what different- they can do. Loading to just load to get them to a, 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 a certain way. It, that might not be good for them, right? right? Like we'll do a lot of mobility and we'll do a lot of things to address dif- deficiencies and all that kind of stuff. But like, we're not going to like, if a kid can't get to parallel, right? I'm not just going to keep loading them to try and get them down to parallel just to get there. Like, let's get where they're safe. And then we'll, dr- let's keep addressing the issue and see what happens. So, right. uh, you know, but uh, anyway, I tried like, I'd say 99% of my athletes squat to parallel. I might have one that I could, right now that I can think of that can't get to parallel, and we keep working with her on, on a lot of things. But uh, not a lot of things, but on that, addressing where her deficiencies are and what's going on, and we don't load her. On, you know, I'm not going to can continue to just load her just because I, I'm, a, I'm a conjugate guy, right? Like, <laughs> right. We're gonna, I'm, not, I'm not an idiot. I'm not an asshole. So, like, we're going to do what's right by the kid. Uh, but you know, for me, like for box squat, it's, it's, it's utterly important. And, uh, uh, I've gotten so far from the, from your question. What was your question again? Just like what, what some of the max effort exercise you have your kids do. So you, you told me you box squat, how do you do the deadlift? How you do the bench and what variations of squatting are you doing to that box too? I guess you could say that. So we'll do, we do box squat. We do, uh, deadlift. Our variations for deadlift is we'll deadlift off the pins. We'll do uh, chain dead. Every everything has we can add chains to. Uh, as far as these main lifts, we'll do mm-hmm. sumo deadlift. We'll do uh, uh, trap bar deadlift, uh, and we'll add chains to anything. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we, our squat variations are split squat, rear foot elevated squat, yoke bar squat for the pitchers. Uh, you know, uh, we'll do pin squat. Uh, when I want to take a little bit off of them as far as the eccentric portion. Uh, and then with uh, bench, we'll do board bench. We'll do chain board bench. We'll do uh, uh, the pitch. The, my hitters will do neutral grip. Uh, my pitchers do straight bar, but they're always doing it to a board to protect the shoulder a little bit. Uh, right. And that's really our main. And sometimes we'll, and we'll bench off the pins. And we'll, right. the pitchers will also floor pitch. <clears throat> So those are all our really our variations. I don't rotate exercises just to rotate exercises. Like right. if it's working, then I leave it. 
but eventually I do like when I see a scale, not a stalemate. When I when I think the uh, kids are, when I think it's time to rotate, I rotate. Right. But with my pitchers, you know, baseball players are so like voodoo people. So like, if if we just beat the number four team in the nation doing floor press, they're always gonna want to do floor press until they <laughs> don't win. So right. sometimes the, the variations change by the losses. <laughs> right. Um. What are your go-tos for jump training? Now, I know you only really deal with the volleyball that probably – I mean, but I, I, as far as I know, you want people to jump high because that means they're also going to run fast. But I know for volleyball, like, they, they really need to be to jump, right? So, yeah. what is your go-tos for that? So, like, what exercises do I use or my – Yeah, yeah, or... just like when you're doing your weighted jumps, like, what ones do you find that have worked the best for you? And, you know, like, what, what uh, variations so of I resistance do you that... use? Like, obviously, the old-school method of box jumping helps, right? And mm-hmm. that's honestly where I get my extreme range of motion because some people say, oh, well, they're, they're, they can't jump that high. They're just tucking their legs. Well, they, t- right. they tuck their legs, they land, and they absorb a, a lot of force in an right. extreme range of motion. To me, that's, right. what's the difference between that and doing your uh, uh, BS uh, PVC overhead squat? <laughs> Mine is, is a lot more forceful. Uh, uh, so, you know, we'll do a lot of box jumps. We'll do box jumps variations. We'll do like, like, uh, uh, you know, we might do a, a, a broad, we might do a depth drop to broad jump. We might do a rotational jump. We do a plethora of variations of jumps, but the first thing we always work on is being able to absorb force on two feet. Right. Mm-hmm. And then let's change the, the, let's change the, uh, the 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 way we jump let's do something rotational let's do something lateral let's sh- jump in different range uh, different planes of motion uh let's jump from different heights and be a little bit more reactive and then toward once we start once we kind of not exhaust the well point where we need a, a something new i will start to contrast so something i i do a lot with my dynamic effort is i contrast with different variations of jumps. You know what I mean? Mm. Get more post-activation potentiation from moving a heavier weight. And now let's go with a non-loaded type of jump. So like, how is the reps and sets with that accord? Because if you let's say you do 12 doubles in the squat, are you doing 12 doubles in jumps? Or are you doing yeah, how, how, how do you do, do four that? sets of jumps? Because I find after this, this is just tried and true method for me. After four sets of jumps, you're not really getting anything out of it. So I feel you on that. I feel they get they get tired. They especially the athlete gets tired. I think. And depending on what type of jump it is, like so, like I have, uh, you know, we might so when we do like more of our like complex jumps. Like sometimes we'll do a knee hop to a broad jump over a hurdle, right? Or we mm-hmm. might just do just a knee hop, like uh, now knee hop. You mean off the knee jump? Yeah, like so. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Just to like, you know, really get those hip flexors fired up, and just to get them a little bit more mobile, right? Right. So yeah. when I do mobility, my mobility is hidden within a lot of different things. Like, <clears throat> I mean, you have to be mobile to get uh, from your knees to your feet, right? Yes. And yeah. you usually catch yourself in an extreme range of motion. So like, right. I don't do things just to do them. <laughs> I do them to like. I try to compound as many things. The biggest thing for your buck, right? Right. Again, I don't just do the BS PVC overhead squat to range of motion. Like, let's make it a little bit more practical and applicable. Uh, so, 
Yeah, I don't do that many uh, uh, that many uh, sets of jumps. But the harder the jump, the less reps I do within those sets. But usually I stick to three to four sets. Three to four sets of, of, of no Con- more than four contrasting. jumps. Now, but now let's – but it – if you have a day where you have, you're doing doubles, but you're doing like 10 to 12 sets of squats and you, but you only want to do four sets of jumps. Will you just do them like in the middle of those sets and be like, okay, now you're going to superset with jumps. Like, how do you, how do you work that? Like, that's what I mean. Like, cause you're going to have to warm up to that height that you actually want them to do or that distance you want them to do, but you only, you're making them do less sets of jumps than they are doing squats. Like, how do you plan that within the program? So like, my day, so just like just arbitrary numbers. So mm-hmm. let's say our max effort for the day is three by three, like okay. three sets of three on our max effort. Then mm-hmm. we get into our dynamic effort. By that time, doing dynamic effort after your max effort, your nervous system is primed and ready to go. So right. we'll do. We'll start off. We always start off loaded and then go unloaded. Right. So we'll go. Let's say we're doing I don't know, trap our jumps. Let's say we're going ten sets of two. So we'll mm-hmm. do our first two set or first two reps of trap bar jump. Then we're going right into our uh, our our vertical jumps. All right, mm-hmm. and we'll do like two or three reps. That's kind of how we do it. Okay, okay. And then we'll do that for the first four sets of the the dynamic effort, and then the rest of the time we're just doing our trap bar jumps. Okay, okay, okay. I got you now. Um. How do you train your kids coming off of knee, hip, or shoulder injuries? Or just any of those type of major injuries, you know, Achilles, whatever. So, like, <laughs> thankfully, historically, I haven't had a lot of injured athletes. And a lot of that's just luck. And a lot of it is not being a, you know, not being a dumbass. Like, I <laughs> right. don't, I train my athletes optimally. Like, right. whatever is optimal to get, whatever I need to get them uh, I don't, I'm not a minimalist. I'm an optimal. Like what is optimal training for them? You know what I mean? I don't right. want to, uh, drain the battery on every, any day. Right. I want mm-hmm. to leave something in reserve. So, uh, and whatever that is, uh, sometimes I give them more in the weight room. Sometimes I give them less, uh, right. it all depends. And so like, and that's part of coaching, but, uh, Especially with conditioning, like when you're running and stuff. I mean, if if I'm doing speed work and by my third rep it looks slow, well, we just end it. <laughs> it we'll just end it. Like, right. it doesn't matter if I had ten reps, ten ten sprints written down. Uh, at that point, if it's not fast, then what am I getting if I wanted the day to be fast? So anyway, right. uh, you know, I uh, I forgot your question. What was your question again? <laughs> I said, how do you train kids coming off a of knee? Oh, knee shoulder injury. Injury. Right, so, like, I slowly progress them. You know what I mean? Most people with knee injuries, with soccer, that's a big one you'll see. Right. It's all based off of the athlete. And, like, what, I try to get those athletes one-on-one. So, I try to get them away from the rest of the group and just uh, work with them in as small of a group setting, like, one-on-one setting and kind of just right. talk to them. What hurts? What doesn't hurt? What can we do? What can't we do? And that's the group that, like, we'll start on a high box for squat, and then we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll lower the box, and then we'll go even lower. And I progress them slowly through the motions. Usually, it's a a very minimal range of motion, and then we start to get into more of a extended range of motion to really strengthen that 
that, uh, that you know, the knee or whatever it might be through a right. full range of motion before we start loading. And it's all mm. based off of like a rate of perceived exertion scale. The, right. the fresher it is to the injury, the, 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 the uh, easier I want it to be. As we progress more, the harder I want it to be. But I, I, you know, with an injured athlete, I don't ever want to go above an eight for me personally. Right. Uh, we'll get to uh, a nine and a 10 once you're cleared to train. As you feel good. I think a lot of people just like, all right, let's throw them back out there. It, <laughs> right. Injuries are so so specific to the person and how they handle pain and injury is so specific. And a big part, a lot, is mental too. So if you don't feel good to do it and you're hesitant, then you're going to set yourself up for injury again. So, right. like, let's make sure you are comfortable. What, um, what does conditioning look like for each of your sports? So for me, I'm a I'm a big believer that we overcondition. You know what I mean? Yep, like yeah. my 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 uh like for soccer, right? So like how it worked this year and it's been seamless, I built up their work capacity by doing tempo runs. Right. And we're like sixties sixties to seventy percent speed on you. Uh I I control the recovery time. Uh, you control your percentage. I don't know your what your sixty to seventy percent looks like, but you can you do so you control that. And my thing is, I'm going to get. What's up, coach? Oh my god! Yes, it worked. Oh my god! I was about to not be to give the people what they want. <laughs> <laughs> Damn! What the hell was that? Did you fit? Was something on your end? I don't know. I have no. It might be my internet. We're going through a storm right now. Oh so. my god! Because it was like I could hear the ruffling or you typing or whatever, but obviously you couldn't hear me and I couldn't hear you. I'm like, what the hell's going on? Yeah, that was weird. But what else you got? <sighs> that was about to ruin my night. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm sorry. I was about to upload this with like the ending. I got like 12 more questions, not answered. Damn it. <laughs> um. All right. So next one. Do you? Oh no. You already answered that one. Okay. Oh, do you do prehab or TKEs before workouts for athletes? No, I do it during the lift. I I I'll, I always want their bodies to like. I look at it as like one. Like we only have so much time. Two, I want to keep. I I want to mix it in because sometimes I think like so. For example, like with TKEs, I do it during squat just because it's a. Uh, I always look at it as it as one. It's uh, it's obviously a movement that we want to focus on, but it kind of always warms the body up for squat during, like to me. Mm. Um, what type of restoration methods do you have your kids do? <clears throat> uh, oh, you mean like recovery stuff? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay, okay. I was gonna say uh, I'm uh, speaking so, like, in Louie because that's all. I've been, that's all I'm over. Nah, it's watching. fine. It's fine. <clears throat> Honestly, like. We'll take we'll hit them with the car buffer or while well, we used to now with COVID. But anyway, so like the car buffer, obviously contrast baths. I kind of let the ATs. That's their uh, lane. But right. like I, uh, I like if a kid's in the weight room and they want to do recovery work, one of the biggest things I tell them like we preach about like sleep, obviously. Right. Uh, uh, nutrition is is uh, not looked at enough as a good recovery method. Right. Right. Uh, 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 you know, a lot of mental stuff too. 
like you know the 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 mind has a big factor in how you're recovered uh so if you feel good you train good all that kind of stuff but uh you know i i i've really just the biggest thing is sleep hydration uh and any kind of stretching yoga whatever resets you we try to gear them towards because not one method works with every athlete right? right some people love the ice bath uh i loved it most people will tell you the science is out on the ice bath right but it made me feel good so. <laughs> i got you on that um what do you have your interns do if you if you have any i don't know if you do Right now, we only have two or three because of COVID and not one to bring a lot of people in like that. We don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, just to be safe for athletes. But we, I treat every, every one of my staff as a member of the staff. So interns are no different. Right. Uh, I trust people 100% until they mess up. Mm. Uh, and then we'll have to adjust accordingly. Right. So like my staff, my interns, I treat like GAs. My assistants... Uh, I treat like directors, like it's a, it's a very, uh, very empowering atmosphere, I guess with us, but like, uh, uh, and that's just the way I think it should be. But interns, I mean, some interns I've had, them, uh, uh, you know, I'll, I'll stand next to them. I'll be like, Hey, you lead the warm up, you lead the workout. I'll just be here and correct. And I'll, I'll coach. Right. You be the coach. I'll be the assistant. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, and we ha- hats off to our athletes. Cause I have a group of athletes that, respond well to that kind of stuff you know what mm. i mean if i had bad athletes we wouldn't be able to do that right, right. uh there's a, like we we work on like i guess you would say your normal typical internship stuff like build a program whatever it might be but like we like to go a lot deeper too and work the mental side of things because what's overlooked in sport is the mental side of everything right from uh uh, uh not only a mental uh, uh, I want. I don't care about mental toughness. You either have that or you don't. You can't teach someone to be mentally tough. True. Uh, from a mental uh, uh, a mental skills standpoint, like my staff, we just did a five week mental skills training with uh, sports psychology. Uh, you know, but also how you mentally recover because it's a tough industry. So you have to take care of yourself. You have to take care of your mentals, and that's something that. For 30 years, I haven't done, and I'm feeling the after effects of not taking care of my mentals and having to force myself to slow down <laughs> and, like, force myself to really focus. Like, you know, when it's time to work, I work. When it's not time to work, I shouldn't work. Like, not – I shouldn't work. Like, I, I, I shouldn't, like, I guess, desk guard or any of that stuff. Like, you have to take time <clears> to <throat> Right. Um. What are some keys to becoming a good, a great coach in your opinion? Being a human, you know what I mean? And really caring about other people. I think the X's and O's will, will figure itself out. Like, and that's not to say I don't know my stuff. I would challenge anyone on any level. And that has not always been the case. I had to become, uh, 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 I guess I'd say I had to learn why I didn't know. And I had to, uh, still figure I'm a constant learner. I'm always learning. I'm always trying to better myself from a knowledge standpoint, but as far as X's and O's, hmm. but the one thing people miss out on is becoming a human, right. And dealing with humans and training humans and, and being there for athletes and you can be a great coach. All right. Because you help them become a better lifter because you help them become a better player. Hmm. That's all well and dandy. But if you haven't helped them become a better human, you will never, never 
be a trans transitional leader to them, mm-hmm. right? So you might be a, a a great coach, but I don't care about being a great coach. I care about being a great leader of people. Right. It's big. It's bigger than sports. To me. You know, what I mean, uh, there's been people over this coronavirus that uh, I've had to, you know, talk to once a week meetings uh, be- because they were going through things and uh, they requested for me to talk to them once a week and it made them feel better. Uh, there was a time when I would have never thought that that's something I would do. Right. Right. I grew up and I realized at some point in time, I'm not coaching athletes. I'm coaching humans that happen to play sports. Hmm. So that's uh, really like I, I tell my assistant, we had a long talk the other day, me and Coach Lee, my assistant director. And uh, I mean, Coach Lee makes me better every day, but we are having a long talk the other day. And I told him, like, my purpose at George Southern, my purpose in life is to develop, lead, empower, and grow human beings, like, to reach their maximum potential. And whatever that might be and to help them however I can and be there for them. And my platform to do that is strength and conditioning. I really don't care much about being the greatest strength coach or being the, like, I want to be the best at whatever I do, but I don't care about being a sports scientist or people uh, 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 hounding me about my program because they think it's the best program. I don't care about that stuff. I care about growing humans. And that truly is what, wakes me up in the morning gets me excited i don't sleep much but like like what never what helps me never be tired is that i get to give life to other people you know what i mean like seeing someone smile because i walked in the room gives me energy and gives me life or knowing that i made I feel an impact, that. Yeah. yeah knowing i made an impact on someone's life uh, me seeing that i give someone else energy gives me energy so like I, I I don't care much about uh, being a strength coach. It's just the platform I use, and I'm good at it. Like, but that doesn't winning games does not matter to me. Winning championships, though, it's fun. It, it I don't care about that stuff. Like, I just don't. I care about helping out humans. And thankfully, at this point, I mean that's probably why I was never. Uh, an elite football guy because I didn't really care about the games. I I enjoyed the games because my athletes enjoyed the games and that's what they love. I like watching them do what they love, but like, I mean, I didn't I didn't much care for any of that stuff. What are some keys to running excess, successful strength department? I think the same thing is uh, being a good strength coach, right? Caring yeah. about humans, you know. Yeah. I think giving people autonomy and not getting in their way. You hire people to do a job because they're good at their job. You hire the right people and you got to let them be professionals and uh, uh, being truly selfish, selfless and right. a leader. Some people say like sacrificial leader or what I think that's, I think that, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> how I feel about that term. Like it, you're, so you're kind of like saying, Oh, I'm a sacrificial leader. I sacrifice everything that to me, that makes it seem like it's all about what you yeah. give up yeah. and like, Look at me. This is why. Humble brag. Humble brag. Yeah, humble brag. So, like, for me, being a servant leader, eh, the truest definition I can think of is you're willing to give everything, even your own wants, desires, and well-being to serve another person. And I think that is the greatest gift you can give to another human. And you truly, if you're a leader and a good leader, you truly care about yourself 
or you truly care about others and their needs before your own. And uh, I'm not perfect at this. I don't have, I haven't written the book on being a servant leader. I'm not Jesus. Uh, <laughs> far from it, especially, you know, depending on who you ask, I might be the devil himself. But, uh, uh, I think that, I think that, to, to run a successful program, you have to care about the people in your program. And I think you, 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 you can't hold people down. Uh, uh, they're going to mess up. Right. And to worry about all their mistakes is to be prideful because you think, Oh, if this person messes up, uh, it's going to look bad on me. I had a, I remember once I heard someone say, uh, well, I'm putting my name on it. And this is my product, and I won't let this look bad. And I, I, I just never agreed with that. Like, right. I don't like if someone messes up. Yeah, is it gonna be obvious? Uh, uh, I, being the director, is it a reflection on me? Yeah. So what should I do? I should love them up and coach them up so that they can right. correct their mistakes. But mistakes are gonna happen, right? Right. It, it, whether it be laziness, whether it be I didn't communicate well enough whether I didn't give them the tools to be successful, let me look at everything I didn't do first. And then if it's a first, if it's a them issue, what can I do to help? And then if it's a character issue, okay, well, I still messed up in bringing them here. Right. <laughs> so let me look at me and what I can do to be a better leader before I just, I think firing people is the easiest and coward, most cowardly thing. you Cancer can culture like we talked about. Yeah, if there isn't something that is truly a problem. Like now, if someone's smoking pot on the job, like obviously you got fired, right? And then you got <laughs> slap yourself in the face for hiring someone like that. But it, to give up on someone like this just because it's just an easy out. You know, I mean, I've never fired anyone. And I mean, I, I haven't had the opportunity, too many opportunities too. I've been lucky and blessed by the assistance I've, I've had joined the family, but like, you always have to look at yourself first and, and, and see where you messed up. And so many people are so prideful and they don't want people to make mistakes because it's going to look bad on them. And I tell my, my assistants all the time, we're not doing brain surgery. All right. Like no one's going to die if someone makes a mistake. Okay. We're, we're, we're teaching people how to pick things up and put them down. <laughs> and we do it in literally the easiest fashion in the world. Right. Uh, anyone can cue the things we cue. Let's, it's not that big a deal if you make a mistake. Let's learn from it, let's grow from it, and let's get better from it. You know what right. I mean? Um, uh, who do you go to for new information? <clears throat> you know, honestly, like, I've kind of stopped looking at strength and conditioning stuff. Not because I don't want to grow, but because I'd rather talk to people and learn that way. Right. Uh, yeah, me know. too. Uh, but <clears throat> I read a lot of leadership stuff. Not the BS war stuff, right? Like we're not in, we're not, not that it's not like demeaning soldiers and all that. Stuff, right, right, right. But like we're not in war, and we're not groups, and we're not. This isn't, you know, like everyone loves uh, uh, Marcus Aurelius or whatever his name is. Well, you know, those people are pretty messed up people, right? Like they're doing some pretty messed up things, like not just on a killing people level, but on a day to day level, right? So like. Just because this guy eats an apple under a tree and has a thought, does that mean I should follow him? Because his lifestyle was so messed up, right? Or Genghis Khan. Like, yeah, he's a war general, but, like, he's a murderer. And that's out of the window. 
Have you ever watched the Netflix uh, show on him? Oh. No, I haven't. It's oh, it's, it's called Marco Polo because it's about Marco Polo's journey when he went over there. Oh, it's good. <laughs> yeah, but like, it I makes mean, you a like, fan. Like, I know he's bad, but geez, <laughs> like I, I, I try to follow like innovate, not innovative thinkers, but free thinkers. As right, right. it's just that sounds, but like the the uh, Google top notch Google execs. People that in, helped out with Twitter or stuff like that. Like, right. I like to think of like <clears throat> open, free-minded people that kind of have the same values I have. Because at the end of the day, if, if Genghis Khan was a real person right now, I couldn't. Really, I mean, him don't probably have the same values. You right. know what I mean? Like, kill everyone. I, I, you know what I mean? Like, uh, even Marcus Aurelius. I mean, we, we're not even on the same plane at all. You know what I mean, like, uh, I. Be rich and then come up with profound ideas while the poor suffer. Like you know, what I mean, like yeah. that's just not my. It's not my train of thought. And uh, I mean, even with civil rights stuff, I don't. I, I don't look to Martin Luther King because his ideas and my ideas are different. You know, what I mean. Right. So like, I can learn some things, but like, I don't idolize really right. anyone. But right. I don't think you should. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, I like just talking to people. Kurt Hester's a big, big help. Nate Harvey's a big help in my life. Uh, Rihanna Cans is, is a major, major contributor to my, my success and, 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 you know, my, uh, whatever successes I might be able to claim with women's soccer, as far as from the training aspect, I don't play, I don't coach the sport. I don't play the sport. So their success on the field is because of them and the coach that has nothing to do with me. I hate people that claim their athletes success. Uh, I'm talking just from a weight room standpoint. Uh, Justin Lovett, uh, Jeff Brom, uh, Ryan Sizzik, Dominic Greeno, my, my people I've been around who have taken time to give me information. Now, do I regularly check with them to learn new things? No, but I've learned a lot of things to this day from them from my time spent with them. So I guess I just go to people for more information and any kind of books I read are mainly about leadership because I'm in a role where I have to be a leader, right? I'm not in a role where uh, uh, the most important thing is my program. Not really. Like, the most important thing is me being able to develop, manage, and empower people. So let's learn how to better do that. Um, now, I know that now that you have all the information you have, you, you say you focus more on leader, but what uh, certifications or what books did you read to gain all the knowledge you have on actually training people? Honestly, Anything West Side, right? So right. Like most of my background is West Side. Right. Uh, but le- that, that was like my base, which was a good, solid base. Right. Uh, visiting Louie, seeing Louie, like talking to Louie. Uh, oh, wow, you up, have. I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't yeah, know. I've been up to West Side twice. Uh, but also, like, just like general, as times were happening, like velocity-based training with Brian Mann, reading up about that. Uh, Mark Ripito read some of his crazy stuff. Okay, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Kurt Hester's book. Uh, I learned a lot about the industry reading that book. And that was, I mean, that book only came out two years ago. So that tells you how low my knowledge base is. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, just uh, Cal Dietz's book. I mean, me and Cal Dietz went to the same college, not at the same time. But I've known Cal since I was 18 years old. I understand him a little bit better now. When I was 18, it made me scared that I'm never going to learn any of this stuff. But <laughs> his book... Uh, just the books that have come out in the last, I'd say, what is it? So 18, 10 to 11 years 
that I've been able to collect or whatever. But most of it has been, after a while, they're all the same, right? Mm. So the base was Triphasic, the Triphasic book, uh, West Side Barbell books, interviews, and, and all that kind of stuff, things I've seen on YouTube. Uh, Brian Mann's velocity-based training, all that kind of stuff, and uh, just learning and growing from there with practical experience. Did you um, read, like, a Super Training and Science of Sports Training and all those ones? That I was... read Super Training twice. and I can't I'm, I'm on what... my first time. I'm I can't on... tell you what's in there. <laughs> I'm on my first time. I'm dying. <laughs> I did Science of Sports Training. I feel like that was more, more stuff I feel like I would use, you know? That's bom- Is that Bompa? That's um uh Kurtz. Okay, okay. Yeah, I've yeah, read yeah. a lot of Bampa and Yes's stuff, but like okay. yes. Well Bampa, I can't tell you what's in the stuff. <laughs> uh, uh, it's yes like is- I don't know. I feel stupid trying to read it. I'm like, yo, and I keep t- when I ask people, they're like, yo, that's a master levels book. Like, yo, that that's a whole other thing. And I'm like, yo, I can't I'm not a scientist, how am I gonna memorize all this? I'll refer back to super training, but at the mm. same time, I can just read a West Side book and it's more practical. Right, right. Uh, and, and it's like the stuff I need. All right, here's the stuff I need to know. Good. It's super training. He's like, all right, here's 20 pages explaining something that probably could be explained in like a paragraph. And exactly. Like, you have to like lost. dig, dig. <laughs> like I was looking. I knew there was a part about accommodating resistance in, in super training. Right. It took me 20 minutes to try and find a little <laughs> extra i needed so i was like all right i'm just gonna watch i'm just gonna watch a, a few youtube videos from like or i'm gonna call nate harvey you know what i mean right, like, right. so like some of those are encyclopedias and reference books that are good to have but like like i said i've read super training twice and i don't know what's in there you know what i mean i i have a general sometimes i just like find what. myself breezing by yeah yeah but at a certain time like it's it's like reading a uh 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 a dictionary, like yeah. you memorize every word in the dictionary because you no. read it ten times. No. <laughs> um, what are some things that should be in every athlete's program? Posterior chain development and low okay. back development. So, mm-hmm. I, I think the post chain starts at the low back, and as Americans, we have weak low backs, weak glutes, and weak hamstrings. Mm-hmm. So I like you gotta build those up, and you gotta train hamstring development and posterior like the back the same way you progress everything else so like we'll do threes twos doubles triples and singles on rdls okay okay like my my baseball guys will get up to like i mean i think we're rdling right now like 315 to 365 football guys with dead uh rdl 405 plus uh uh you know uh when we did rows with at Buffalo, like guys would row, I can't remember the weight, but a massive amount of weight for like triples. Like you gotta, you got to progress the posterior chain, like to progress everything else, because especially the hamstrings. If you're talking about force absorption, I mean, right. uh, it, they're not pitter pattering across the field, right? <laughs> so like when you pop a hamstring, it's a massive amount of force that just gets it the right way, right? So like. Right. That's not just a pivot pattern. You gotta teach them. You gotta teach them how to absorb massive amounts of force and how to have good endurance in the muscle as well. Right. Um, what are some things that shouldn't be in every athlete's program? Bicep curls. <laughs> no, <I laughs> yes, think, good. That's good. I think uh, people do too many <laughs> overhead movements. Uh, okay. 
I don't I'm not a big overhead guy. And I think it stability is is good, right? Like I do an anti extension series with baseball, but like I think there's too much overhead. Like I mean I everyone there's tons of different ways to train different athletes. It's just my preference. I don't do a lot of overhead movements. I do I work on overheads like I work on stability. And I think that like well, like bamboo bar stuff, or no? I do like a banded. Uh, uh, imagine if you're like, imagine if you're doing like a cheerleader Y, right? Okay. And I'll have a band behind you, and you have to stabilize. And then okay, eventually, okay. I'll do like anti. Uh, I'll do like a, a like a like a uh, how do I say that? I'll incorporate uh, uh, instability in that band, so someone will be like moving it, yanking, it, and you have to stabilize in that position. Okay. So I think and that'll be like an accessory. Yeah, that'll be an accessory. Right, right, right. Uh, so you don't do like thing. any push pressing or just strict not, press. Not really, not really. You know what I mean? Uh, but like, honestly, so you're more benching, m- mostly just benching. Yeah. So of like, all different types. Yeah. Of, so of like, uh, I do think people overdo the bench press too. Like, hmm. I, I I I think like volume, volume <clears> is. is 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 good for bodybuilders. I mm-hmm. think volume people over volumize their athletes. Like mm-hmm. we don't need to do fail sets all the freaking time. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like, you're just taxing the nervous system and you're training them to be slow. Right. I'd rather do ten sets of three explosively than do three sets of ten just to get sarcoplasmic hypertrophy and get them puffy like bodybuilders, but I can't do anything with that. Right. Um uh oh, oh oh this is probably my favorite how bad are ladders i think uh you know like buddy moore said the people that scare me are the people that take out foot ladders and said they're trying to do speed work with <laughs> i uh i've been a, i've been i've been it's I my favorite been, question <laughs> i've been a cult of sand training and foot ladders before oh yeah and but and, we were trained that's because we were trained because i've been through it we were trained but then if you're smart, if you say, why am I not getting any faster? I'm still doing this crap. Yeah. Why am I training in an unstable surface when the only unstable surface you would ever play on is uh, uh, the ground during an earthquake? <laughs> right? Uh, right? Why am I uh, doing this foot ladder when I'm literally uh, not going anywhere? Right. Uh, so, uh, you know. You know, do, do, do the fastest people in the world get from point A to point B by taking a thousand steps? No. So why am I doing this? So it, it is a thing where you, you learn as you go on. But I mean, for a long time, I was sold on sand training. And then I was like, uh, my, I might be a dumbass. <laughs> or like, I was like, ah, oh, foot ladder is a good warm up, but there's way better ways to warm up. Right. And I've never looked at a foot ladder and thought speed work. Thankfully, right. Mainly because I didn't know what speed work was for a long time. Um, do you do you have your guys do prowler sleds, and if so, how much? Uh, we, you know, just the way our facility's set up, and the 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 amount of athletes I have, and the mm. equipment, we don't do prowlers and sleds. If I had right. them do, uh, if I had them with sleds, we would do honestly like that'd be a, a one of our max effort. You know what I mean? Oh, a max sled drag. Like yeah, a, a max sled drag or push as a okay. max effort movement 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I've thought about it, we just don't have the facility to do it. So, like, oh, okay, right. if I had turf and we were baseball only, and, and if I was baseball only or women's soccer only, if I had one sport and I had the facility, that would be a great maximal effort movement. We'd do, like, probably 10 to 15 yard sled pushes or sled drags and load that thing up. But mm-hmm. I don't. I don't have that. So maybe one day. If you did have the space, though, would you do, you know, like, because I, I have, like, a lot of my kids do it because we have an outside space that we can drag for however much I want them to do. But, like, would you do that for conditioning? Um, I would do it as a maximal effort movement. Strictly? When, yeah, as we get as we get later in the season. What about what, – so would it be different earlier or – preseason or summer you know like how would you would you do it besides i mean max then i would probably do it for to i would do it to build like capacity like work capacity you know what i mean with uh with like a team i'd say like a baseball but like i haven't messed around with sleds enough to know what i would do with them (laughs) right okay you know i mean like i know i know what louis does but like i I haven't found my own niche with it. Right, right. Unfortunately, uh, <laughs> uh, I I like them because I have don't have much equipment, so I do a lot of a lot of sled because I'm like, hey, we don't have reverse hypers, we don't have ATP, so I was like, hey, how can I get a different way to get this kid, especially in a short amount of time, conditioned and strong? All right, put him on the sled because <laughs> I ain't got no ATP, no reverse hyper. Like right now, like the facility I work in, it's like we got a squat, we got a bench, we got slam balls, and we got sleds. <laughs> so it's like that's that's what I got. That's awesome. Uh, um, what are your future plans? Well, you know my my future right now. I'm working on my doctorate, right? Oh, uh, really? Wow. In about in about like four days, I'll be working on my doctorate. So wish me luck. Uh, I hope it's here, but like I want to be kind of like a, uh, I don't want to say a pet Ivy, but like a, a, a director, like an associate AD over my own strength and conditioning department, right? So like I want to be like uh, like a high performance manager, I guess they call them right now. And mm-hmm. I want to overlook the, the ATs. The, the the sports psych, everything that has to do with high performance, I want to be the head of that high performance model. And, uh, you know, uh, I'd still want to work one sport. I don't know what sport, but, like, I'd still want to work one sport and uh, just oversee everything. I'd oversee the Olympic strength coach, the football strength coach, the basketball strength coach. I'd oversee the ATs. I'd oversee the sports psychologist. I'd oversee everyone. And, uh Really, just kind of like run, run. Uh, how do I say? Run like college uh, uh, performance as almost a business, hmm. like to that level of detail and uh, uh, I'd say that level of detail and and spe- specificity and care for our athlete. So, if you are having uh, if there's mental health issues okay, like, let's direct you to this person. You know what I mean? Like, if there is these small schools, everyone kind of deals, like, you wear many hats, right? Right. That's where the business aspect of a high-performance model goes, right? 
there's a specific person that is trained to do a specific job to help you out, right? And mm-hmm. that doesn't mean like you can't have other people that you're close to. Like you're gonna have, you're gonna tell people you're close to your problems, right? Right. So like, but that person now knows I have to loop in this person. Right. How, now, how are you transitioning to being able to get that job, or is that a job that exists right now? Or are you? There's, you know, I, I think, it. three of them right now in college. Bob Leo has one, uh, is one of them. Pat Ivy's one of them. And San Jose State actually posted for one. I believe it's San Jose State or San Diego. I don't know. I, I'm not a big West Coast guy. So uh, <laughs> the funny thing is I actually matched the qualifications for the one San Jose or San Diego State uh, uh, posted. I just would never move out to California. My job's not done here. Hmm. But uh, – I think with the doctorate, with my years of experience in management, uh, you know, I've, now I have three years of management, and this is a, a very high-level management job because you look over so many sports and so many things and help out with policies and all this other stuff. Uh, and my doctorate will lead way to kind of the position I want. Uh, I think that's how I'm preparing. You know what I mean? Wow. I have a staff of – right now I'm going to have a staff of seven. So hmm. managing a, that big of a staff, like I think that it only <clears throat> strengthens my ability to get one of those jobs as they uh, grow more in this country. And, and, and is that your end goal or is that another stepping stone to something even bigger than that? I think it'd be fun to like I want to build that here. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I hope I love Georgia Southern. I love living in, in where I'm at in, in Georgia. I love all this stuff right here. And I, I hope to build that here. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I'd rather build something than run something that someone else has built. Right. Uh, I think eventually that is a goal of mine for my career. So mm-hmm. wherever it has to be, I hope I build it here. Right. Uh, so, you know, as far as long term, I, I do know I'd like to get into like an SEC baseball only job, but like <laughs> I'd rather be a high performance director than I would a SEC baseball guy. You know, right. what I mean, just because of the impact I'd have as a high performance director. So, right. it, it, I, wherever my life takes me, it'll take me. So, I never thought I'd be in this job right now. It's my favorite job I've ever had. Um, now I had a question cause I was like, what does this mean? What does it mean to be the overseer of the Olympic sports versus the regular? What is now I love the Olympic cycle. That's all I know. It's four years. What does it mean to be over? What is, what are the Olympic sports and what are the regular sports? Like, I so I guess like, <laughs> so my title is director of strength and conditioning and I directly oversee Olympic sports. So that's every sport except for football. Oh, is how they how they term it. Why now? Why is football not an Olympic sport? I guess because they don't play football in the Olympics. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. Because I'm like, well, what? What does that mean? I don't know. I don't know. That's just how it is. <laughs> well, man, that that's that's all I had for you. That two hours, two and a half hours. We did. We did good. <laughs> yeah, we did real good. <laughs> yeah, we, I got I got a lot of I always. I might, for me, it's always like trying to bring people on that I'm getting a lot of information, not just from my viewers, but from me. And how can I add? <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm, I'm getting free information. That's what I'm doing. Eh? I got to find out what I'm doing wrong. 
what am I doing right and how, what can I add to my whatever I'm doing? So, uh, I, I appreciate it. I love the conversation. I love sharing information and, you know, I love uh, whatever, helping people out, you know, and hopefully people enjoy listening to, to me talk. I know I talk forever, but uh, <laughs> I know that this is going to definitely be a car ride podcast. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I mean, also, it's just like, you know, learning from somebody that not only is a position where you've, you've done all the levels, you've been an individual coach, now you're in a manager position, you know, talked about the civil rights and stuff. Like, we covered a lot of different bases, you know, so I, I always feel like, hey, the next time I have you on, it's that check-in. Then we can we can decide how, what did you learn and how did you get better, you know, so – yeah, definitely, and I uh, I appreciate it, and I appreciate the dialogue, especially on the civil rights, yeah, because yeah. you know that's huge for me, and then like I think it's huge for us as a people. But then I, you know, all the strength and conditioning stuff. Like I said, if I like my last, I guess two cents I'll leave is like first and foremost, you always have to do what's right, no matter what. If it's right, right it's right, right. Mm-hmm. So like, you always have to do right, and then like. Yeah, at the end of the day, you're nothing without your athletes, and you are a human. They are humans first and foremost. And, right. And to me, like people just dehumanize athletes and dehumanize really people so much that we, we you have to really focus on growing your athletes, growing those around you. And like I said, if you're going to be a leader. It's easy to talk about it. I know a lot of people that talk leadership. I know a lot of people that bang on the doorstep of I'm the lead, I'm this leader, I'm that leader. Right. And then when adversity hits, you really see what a person is. Yeah. And so you have to be willing to sacrifice everything to those that you are supposed to be serving. And right. at the end of the day, whether it's uh, you know, something as small as, uh, you know what, I'm going to give up, I'm going to buy this equipment and I'm going to give up going out for a nice meal because I'm spending my own money to buy equipment for my athletes. Right. I'm going to speak about civil rights and, you know, if it gets me uh, fired, it gets me fired. Not that anyone's ever threatened to fire me. <laughs> you know how people, you know how old black people be. You speak up, you got to get fired. So, I'm right, like, right. To me, like, uh, uh, none of those things matter because it'll all work out in the end. And again, I have to, I have to not only be able to look myself in the mirror at the end of the day, when I die, I have to, uh, life's too short to die with doubt. You know right, what I mean? Yeah. When I'm sitting on my deathbed, I'm not going to think about, Oh, I had a really good job at Georgia Southern or I got this, uh, power five job or, Oh, I, I was able to, spend money on 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 useless things i'm going to think about i did what i believed was right at all times and the people i helped and the lives i impacted so i always gear my mind towards that and i think there's a lot of leaders that talk it sounds good you know what i mean like things sound good but then when you investigate who they really are as people it doesn't match up. And I'm not saying you have to be perfect. I'm completely far from perfect. Perfect. Anyone that knows me, I'm, I'm the least perfect person in the world, but I, I will always be of the mindset of at any given moment, I will sacrifice everything 
anything from a uh, uh, job to, to anything else in between to, to help those around me yeah. and be about what I say I'm going to be about. And that's not, uh, that doesn't make me a hero because I'm not, that doesn't make me uh, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. Cause I'm not, that's just what I believe in. Yeah. I, I feel like I've been trying to do, or I've been at least gravitated towards everybody that I've tried to have on my podcast. I've been very, very genuine people who are, about spreading information to get other people better and not just about making a quick buck or it's about me showcasing me. It's about, Hey, I'm trying to get my knowledge out. So people maybe will learn from the same mistakes I did, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you know, that's why, you know, like the, when I, uh, so how I came in contact with you was from the Georgia Southern, uh, seminar. I said, yo, this is one of the craziest things. Fucking free. Yo, I got 10 coaches coaching. I said, you know, the entire time, I'm just sitting down taking notes. And then you came on. You started making jokes and stuff. You talk about conjugate. I'm like, oh, really? Yo, did you? And, and, then, and then it's like, and then not only that, this dude's a brother, and he's the director, blah, blah, blah. I was like, man, I got to have him on the podcast. So, you know, it's just... But but that's, that's that's for me. It's like, and this is why I fall in love more and more with coaching, especially with strength coaching. I feel the atmosphere is so much more positive compared to like Instagram models and fitness trainers. The strength, there's so many more strength, and it's not just like okay, there's not like strength coaches don't want to make money, but like there's so many more like real people. It's just like the people that I like. I don't know. I just don't yeah, like them. I, I just feel like it's less, a little bit less bougie. There Now, there are some, but you know what I mean? Like, there's just a lot more of like, yo, oh, you have a question? Yeah, I'll answer it. It's not like, oh, you need to sign up for blah, blah, blah. No, I, I definitely, I def- the product, the product selling, it, I don't believe that yeah. exists very much in uh, strength and conditioning. I don't think there's a lot of self-promoters anymore. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd say... College athletics as a whole is is an industry that my my corner of the world I try to change and be positive as possible because right. there are so many lies and negativity within college athletics. Right. And if I can change my piece of the world, hopefully I can inspire others to change their piece of the world, and we've all gotten better because of it. Uh, but there is a lot of great positivity in college athletics, but you know, again, there's a lot of false leaders, <laughs> not just college athletics, but the world. And, you know, I'm not here to, Hey, listen, I'm, I'm not perfect by any means. I'm, I'm, there's been a lot of times in my life. I've been a piece of shit, but like, <laughs> I mean, truly, but at least you're like, trying to get better, right? That's all you can I do. I just try to get better every day. I just try And that's, I just try to get better every single day. Man. Yeah, I, I don't know. We may have to get it in before before another year. <laughs> yeah, man, this has been good. This has been good. For hey, us. I'm glad. I'm glad to give out information. And hopefully, someone listens to this three hour long podcast. <laughs> I've been having pr- pretty good. I mean, this is only this is going to be number twelve, and so you know it, it's been doing pretty well. Taking, I, I think to me, it's like I'm, I'm a real person. So either you're gonna like me or you're not. But there's no guessing game, and that's who I try to have on. The same damn thing, you know what I mean? So yeah, you know, and I'm not getting on, bringing on people for their damn abs. It's about like, yo, can you really? Are you getting kids where they're supposed to be as a human being and as an athlete? 
and there's no gimmicks and there's no secret little sauce. No, that so that's that's what I try to do. Hey man, I appreciate you and I appreciate I appreciate your support. I appreciate uh, this podcast, man. I anytime you want me on, I'll come back on. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate. It. Um, it's probably been the best one I've done, honestly. Really, really. Oh, yeah, it's wow. been good. We've had some great conversations. Like no, no, no shade towards anyone else. Like, <laughs> I, I just, it's a good one, man. I right, well, that that really makes me happy. I'm trying. To, I'm really trying to get this thing, this thing going, and and also combine it because I'm a basketball guy because that's what I play. So it's like I'm trying to bring more light to people that are strength conditioning people and trying to bring that information because the basketball culture is still one that's new to lifting. So I'm trying to find people, especially that look like me and you, because basketball is like 80% black. So it's like, Hey, I need y'all to start hearing people that look like you like, no, 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 no. You don't have to run five miles. It's all right. We can we need to train heavy. All right. Right. You know, right. So, um, I, I just really appreciate uh, you being on and, uh, uh, tell everybody where they can, uh, find you and everything uh so i guess like uh my my if you ever need to email me my email is dday at georgiasouthern.edu i check my email all the time uh my twitter is i think the warthog 93 <laughs> uh that's uh that's the nickname from college uh it's stuck with me and then my instagram is day d 93 so you can hit me up on any any social media or email me whatever and I'm always free to, uh, uh, you know, talk shop or whatever it might be. Um, I would say I want to come down and maybe visit, <laughs> but it's three <laughs> hours each way. Like hey, I gotta man. take a hotel to come down there. Hey, but maybe listen. I'm. But I have family in Florida, so maybe maybe it could be like I'm going down to Florida and I take a small little detour, and I come and I'll just like text you or whatever, be like, hey, when are you guys training? Let me come in and watch how watch you work, you know, because that's I'm like how you. It's like I want to either talk to people or I want to watch them how they do it, so then I can be like, oh, this is just like sometimes it's like how the kid comes in the weight room, how you talk to them, how you warm up. It's like those little things can make things run smoother and better. So, yeah, I probably do need to do it. Yeah, yeah, man, got to take the trip. Stop <laughs> yeah. by whatever. Bye, Bye. Big guy. Hey, appreciate you having me. Thank you. No, thank you for having being on, man. <laughs> All right, well, stay safe in this crazy world, and I'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. You too. All right, bye. Bye-bye. Well, that concludes another episode of the Get Clean Podcast. I hope y'all really enjoyed. It was a lengthy one, but it but it flew by. Just another great interviewee. Tune in next week. I definitely will have another person of high stature on again. Remember, you can find me on Instagram. Name on there is K-A-L-I-L underscore S-H-E-R-R-O-D. That's Khalil Sherrod. And tune in there because then you'll be able to find out what day I'll be uh, posting the uh, next podcast. And later this week, I will be announcing who my next interviewee will be. So, hope you all enjoyed. Remember, stay clean. Peace.